Was it Minu? It's on. All right, Cleveland Moto Podcast. We are enjoying we are the last. What is it today? The last or the second to last day of March? Second, second to last. Second, second to, last. to last day of March. And it's been a shitty end of March. I mean, that's been colder than fuck. Hey, yeah. I was in Indy on Saturday. They got 10 inches of snow out there. In Indy? Yeah. Holy crap. Those <laughs> poor so, bastards. Oh, a did you go down lucky. for the motocross? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, nice. my God. Those poor sons of bitches. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's terrible, man. That's it's been cold awful. and wet here, but at least it hasn't been snowing. Right. Yeah, it was wonderful. I got free passes to go to that. And uh, then was told I had to work that day. Uh, that's the that's the problem of working in the motorcycle industry. Because yeah. that's, you know, you listen to this all the time. People are like, oh, my God, I wish I worked in the motorcycle industry. I had pit passes. Like, I could be down in the pits for right. that whole thing. And Except then they're for, like, no, um, you have to work 12 hours that day. Exactly. That is the pits, man. <laughs> <laughs> You've officially found the pits. And that is what I've learned about doing you know having my passion become my my paycheck and that's really that's a thing man you know like for the first several years i i was completely screwed over it's like well i don't want to go to once you open a shop you don't want to do anything that impedes the ability of the shop to run so all of a sudden my favorite thing to do is go to scooter rallies i didn't want to go to scooter rallies anymore because like well shit what if i miss something and it took a number of years for me to to break free that i could trust the shop. Well, Merritt would be working at the shop, or Renee would be working at the shop. Somebody would volunteer who wasn't going to go to a rally to take over. And that first time I got a phone call, I think I was at a Chicago rally, and you called me, and you were, I was like, well, how are things going? You're like, well, I, we sold two bikes today. And I was like, and I'm not there. Shit. <laughs> this works. This does work. I don't have to be there anymore. It's when I'm not at work, the fires still go out. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, the fires occur and go out. That's, that's right. it. Yeah. The world goes on without you. Mm-hmm. So you do forget about that. And so many people do want to work in the industry and just think that it would be great to work in the industry. <clears throat> I will caution you. There is like a motorcycle show every fucking weekend. And every cool, sunshiny Saturday and Sunday when you want to go riding in the summertime, no. There's an event that you have to stand in a uh, conference room or an IX Center type thing. You know, some a booth. Oh, just God. Yep. Booth yeah. under fluorescent Under lighting. a pop-up tent. Under a pop-up tent in a booth. <laughs> yeah. Maybe working in the motorcycle industry should be like compulsory service in the Israeli army. Like, everyone who's into motorbiking <laughs> has to do it for a little while, but you don't have to do it forever. <laughs> and roll what call. What would that accomplish? To my left is... <laughs> it's Merritt Waters. <laughs> and to her left... Pete, the fireman himself. <laughs> and to his left... Oscar Nadal. And his... Chris, the non-fireman, Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and to his left... Dustin Lee, I don't know what the fuck I am. <laughs> Elliot. Well, you work at KTM. Right. Yeah. And your humble narrator, Phil Waters, who is uh, suddenly like 16 less Moto Guzzi's. What? How oh, so? Where? Who? Pick up today? They or came sale? today. Okay. Did they? So today, uh, so today. Did they give you a check? Well, no. However, <laughs> this is. Well, we, now, wait a minute. I'm confused. It looks Past? like there's more Moto Guzzi's here. Or not. Well. So we have another warehouse. Oh, oh, so you just offloaded. I have more. I have more information. If anyone would like it, please. Okay, I can expand on the previous statement of Dustin saying he'd got a check yet, and that is actually not. uh, um, And I don't have a check yet, but I'm also not panicking. So a couple of weeks ago, actually on a on a Monday when the shop was closed, 
Um, we got a phone call from my dealer rep at Gucci that said, hey, we're having a mo- there's a motorcycle show occurring, California or somewhere, and we really need your Eldorado that you have remaining and your red California touring that you have, you know, of the 32 extra bikes yeah. that we had to get rid of. We need a check for 220000 and we'll show Well, you know, <laughs> and so I said, my God, I'm so happy you called. I will spring into action. When can your truck driver be here? Is an hour too soon? <laughs> and uh, I met him at my warehouse, and we, uh, we loaded up those two bikes. The good news is the two bikes got loaded up, and off they fucked. And we had uh, a wire transfer funds, money, mm-hmm. cash, went into my account about 11 days later. So that not works bad. just fine. I'm yeah. totally happy with that. Oh, yeah. Well, so that's... today, um, two gentlemen uh, that that's I would like palatable. to call Bocephus and Cleophus showed up, uh, <laughs> each with their own rusted-out Ford F-250 pickup truck dually, <laughs> diesel, and each of their own 24-foot trailer. And they loaded up today 16, yeah, 16 of my bikes. So they were, like, contracted by... No, uh, what no, they were just is stealing the bikes. They're random. They uh, <laughs> no, but what they are, and they're not. They're not what, what either one of us would call professional motorcycle logistics people. Semi-pro. Oh no, I'm thinking you ship on their best day. The uh, what these are is the bikes are going to go to NPA. They're going to go to Cincinnati National Power Sports Auctions, mm. which means other Moto Guzzi dealers will oh. be able to bid on these bikes to purchase them. But uh, the two fellas that uh, showed up today, um, you know, I mean, I tease, but they're just you know they're just good old boys from down you know yeah. Southern Ohio, yeah. and I mean they know how to push a motorcycle around and they know how to strap it into a trailer. So, but each Perfect. of them, like I was expecting there to be an eighteen wheeler, you know, when these bikes get delivered to us, they come with. You know, a certain level of professionalism. That's because it's on your dime. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. When I'm paying the freight, that shit arrives like love, right? But when it's Piaggio or NPA paying the freight, that shit literally yeah, goes into nice. something that I'm like, is that going to make it all the way to Cincinnati? You know? It, if it's broke down on the side of the road, well, I guess not my problem. But The good thing is you don't have to worry about it. No, in fact, that was the thing one, today. Once is, it rolls yeah, off. They're gone, they're gone. Off right? your lot. Yeah. You're like, bye-bye. And the guys were super nice, and they're going to come by tomorrow to pick up the remaining 14 units. Woof. Nice. So all these, all these uh, you know, now we're still Is that why some, they're all lined up? That's exactly why they're yeah. all lined and then, up. And then 90 days later? I'm sorry? You'll hope to the, get the, the uh, we'll check, funds transfer? Well, like I said, we've already had yeah. the first two that got picked up. We were, we were fulfilled two in 11 easy. days. Two's easy. Two's that's easy. That's just a tip. <laughs> just, <laughs> the, and just for a minute. That's the, uh, yeah. Yeah, it really was. a little tougher. Thirty's a little tougher. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we'll see. Um, you know, we're happy that we got paid so quickly on the first two that got picked up. That was great. Yeah, at least the wheels still turning. Right. And, and right. So we've proven they can do it. Right. Let's put it that way. Right. If those two had been picked up and I hadn't been paid yet, you were like, or right. or you've proven the depth of their checkbook. I still do believe that there's something hilarious about the idea of holding back a stu- like one of the stupid expensive ones, yeah. and just holding it back just and being <laughs> like waiting until all the other ones. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I I don't know where that bike went. Or I have no idea. What well, oh well, you know we haven't been fulfilled on these yet. Yeah. I bet you I could find it. Yeah. If we got fulfilled on the rest of these bikes. Yeah. But the uh, but we're not going to do that. We're going to go ahead and play the game. So, but anyway, it's exciting for us because we have a lot more space now, and we're starting. I don't know if you noticed this, but we're starting to bring in some other bikes. Yeah. 
So we're bringing in some of that exotic, strange fruit that we're talking about bringing in. Well, that's a beautiful bike right up there in the window. It is, tell, isn't it? Tell me a little bit about that. So our window selection has changed a little bit. So in the front position, that for us? we have, uh, thank you, nice in, the, uh, in <laughs> position number one, we have the 1989 Honda GB500. Mm -hmm. And I took that out of my garage and brought it over here and... I brought it out front. I, Absolutely I, one of my favorite bikes ever. It is. It's gotcha. yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, with the pinstriping and everything? My yeah. list of favorite bikes. Did you do that? Mm -hmm. that's you painted the, that? No, no. That, that bike in the window is exactly how it came from the factory. No shit. Well, the only thing that's been done is it had a Super Trap exhaust, and it's got a 600cc top end instead of a 500. But other than that, it's stock. Oh, that's all? It's yeah. like a John Player Special. <laughs> it does look like a John Player Special. It has that look. It definitely has the right paint scheme yeah. of a John Player yeah. Special. And so that's in window number is one. Is that the one we used on the video shoot? It sure is. Nice. It sure is. It's the that's one the famous same. bike. I left Merritt's bike at home, and the funny thing was, you know, I pulled it out of the garage and uh, brought it out here, and, and it was dirty. I mean, like, <laughs> like, like, been in the garage all winter when I'm fluid filming cars, dirty. And fluid film just gets on everything, and then just and the it dirt. And smells like sheep. And it smells like sheep. <laughs> <laughs> it smells sheep. like sheep. It does smell like sheep. <laughs> it does. And it when does. you get it in your mouth, it tastes like sheep. What does sheep yeah. smell like? Try smelling one. You'll know. Yeah. You'll know. You ever been to the fair? Yeah. You, been to the fair. <laughs> you were smelling goats. Yeah. I was smelling goats, but yeah. Yeah. Sheep. Fluid like film sheep. has a distinctive smell. And if you ever, if you're curious, just go out to my my tundra, and put your hand under it, or like anything that looks oily, just wipe it and smell your fingers. Hey, smell your fingers. I'm not falling for that. <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to smell my fingers after they touched your brown tundra. <laughs> what, color, exactly. what color brown is, is that? Is that a euphemism? It's poop color brown. <laughs> it's poop brown tundra. But then, uh, so yeah, the bike the bike looked pretty bad when we brought it over. In fact, Johnny Chrome, who we wish he was here tonight, but he's on his way to Florida. But uh, so Johnny Chrome said, he's like, he goes, yeah, that, that, I don't know, Phil, that GB500 is looking pretty rough. And I went, fuck you, motherfucker. I ain't picking on your shit. Uh, but it did desperately need a cleanup. So now it doesn't look rough, and that's what no, you know, two really and a half hours it. of detailing does. Mm. You know, oh, I cleaned every little part of it. I mean, I got down in the dirty genitals region and the whole, all the bad, all the bad <laughs> spots. Yeah. Oh, my hands were just nasty when I got done. But well, nice. You know, congratulations. Have product. Great job. Yeah. Yeah. It looks great. And then, but you see now, what's in window number two? Is our 1972 Triumph. Yeah, look. So what that bike is, that is Day a going. Triumph. Not just. I love it. I love this bike because it's got, I like any motorcycle that has a bunch of names. <laughs> it's a T100R Daytona. Daytona I'm sorry. 500. No, no. It's a Tiger Daytona R. So it's a hmm. Tiger. It's a Tiger, it is. It's a Tiger. But it's a Tiger yeah, yeah. Daytona. I know your listeners are checking you, they checking can, you yeah, on that nomenclature because it sounded a little bit made up. Nope, that's what it is. You got the room. You know well, and and off the Triumph, guys. That's a V-twin, right? Yes. According to Pete, everything's a V-twin these days. Everything's V-twins these days. But, yeah, so that bike, uh, compared to a regular T100, the T100R, it's got twin carburetors. Mm -hmm. So it was a real hot rod of its day. It was, you know, like 47 horsepower in 1972 so they were a, they were a hot little number they didn't have the oil in the frame they were real lightweight they hadn't uh they hadn't taken on any of the obesity found in some of the larger triumphs at that point <laughs> so they were still kind of uh, and a lot of people say that it's one of the last of the really true old school triumphs mm -hmm. and it's a mm -hmm. fun bike mm -hmm. but the best thing about it is 
motherfucker is sold. Nice. Mm. Nice. So as of our last podcast last week, you know, uh, we had somebody. Is that from somebody who went, went down the road? Yeah, it's a I, don't, I don't know, but I do know that uh, it was a fellow that saw the bike. I had it listed on Trader Online, Cycle Trader Online. Okay, had it listed up there, and he he contacted me, and uh, it's going to go from on a pedestal in my showroom to on a pedestal in his house. Nice. So he's That's not looking. Story. He's not looking to have a daily rider out of it. Thank That's God. Good. That's good. He's yeah. looking to have a, a, get a, a showpiece. A showpiece. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Do you need nominations for what will go up on the on an the ornament? Who's going to be? Yes, we do. In the window next. Yes, we do. Yeah, we need nominations. So what's going to be? What are the and then in position number three, we have our Kawasaki S3 two-stroke triple 400 cc. That's in position number three in window number three. So we got three. over near where Carol Merrill is standing. Yeah. <laughs> Door number three. Door number three. We've got, and so the idea is we have three non-denominational motorcycles in our window. <laughs> so we're like, yeah, what do you guys, uh, what do you guys do? Every guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, bring it on. We sell bikes to you, and we did sell. Uh, we sold the. I'm sure some of you guys remember seeing the world's prettiest VLX 600 Shadow in our showroom. Um, looks like it, the day it left the factory, only cleaner because we bought it off of. <laughs> oh, extremely anal retentive old man, but uh, and we have a lot of those running around. <laughs> but so yeah, we bought that bike and we've had it now for a little over eight months. We bought it at the end of last season or the middle of last season, and uh, I've had it priced at thirty five hundred dollars, which you know for like a two thousand and eleven Shadows, kind of tall money, mm-hmm. but it's really perfect with Vance and Hines and it's jetted correctly and it's got all the good stuff, and it just proves that you just wait when you're not in a hurry. You can sell it. <coughs> and a young man came in. He's 21 years old. He's looking for his first motorcycle, and he had exactly $3,000 to spend. <laughs> I was able to shake his ankle sold. until another $500 fell out. <laughs> and then we, uh, we sold him the motorcycle. So that's he's going to pick that up on Wednesday. Nice. Oh, so he's a first. That's a, this will be his first ever motorcycle. That's a lot of motorcycle for the half the price of most other new motorcycles. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know? right. And, and you know what? That is a groovy motorcycle. That is it a does really just, we all I mean everybody who's ridden six hundred shadows tends to like them. I mean you just yeah. sit back yeah. in that bike and go, yeah. And I know right. a lot of people are gonna curse, but I don't have an appreciation for the rebel. To me, even a rebel four fifty is somehow a badge of shame. Uh, <laughs> I just Yikes. Yeah. They're the mopeds of the motorcycle world. <laughs> they are. <laughs> And you know what? Here's what ruined it for me. I don't know if anybody else is old enough, but there were a series of TV commercials in the 80s. And it was, um, and we were rolling, rolling on the Rebel, rolling on the Rebel along. Oh, fuck, man. That did it, huh? It hurt. It hurt to watch it. It hurt. It was just like... It was that thing where you're just like, no, 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 no. I was so... When I saw that, and I was a Honda guy, and I was a Ride Red guy, and when that mm-hmm. commercial landed, and you guys can YouTube it, it's the Honda Rebel commercial, and it's like the dude going to pick his girlfriend up on the yeah. bike, and, you know, look, I'm a college That's student, bad, yeah. and I've got a Rebel 250. And, you know, Harley Davidson at the time had the Sportster 883 Hugger that they were selling on that whole premise of, like, $89 a month. Mm-hmm. You can have a Harley. Piece of America history, whatever. You can have a Harley. And then Honda came out with this rolling on the rebel crap. And I mean, yeah. And it was bad. 
and I didn't like it. And it made me it made me not want to admit that I secretly lusted for the '87 <sighs> Super Magna. And I tell my friends, they're like, I really want to have a Honda. I really, really want to have a Honda. Well, what Honda do you want to have? A Rebel? Oh, fuck you. <laughs> because that was on the TV. Yeah. Like, that was the TV that commercial. That was the known one. Yeah. Now, I'm bitching about that, but at least they had a TV commercial for a motorcycle back then. Right. You know, when was the last time we saw one of those? So, uh, yeah, but that, and they sold a metric shit ton of them. And uh-huh. I think... Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to an SAE shit done, mm-hmm. which would be the Harley Davidson. The uh, uh, I'm glad you explained that. I'm glad you walked. Thank that you. All out. I had to walk the rest good. of the table through that, that was one. Good. Merritt was first on the landing pad for that one. She mm. she saw that one coming in just as soon as She's I turned seen the lights your ex on. Before she had some <laughs> the, uh, the but yes, yeah, so ignored it. I know. You're just like fuck that guy. He just keeps talking. The uh, but yeah, I don't like rebels, but I do like that VLX 600. I do really like it. And that is one of those things where even when people are like, well, what do you feel about a CB? What do you feel about a 450 Rebel? And I'm like, well, once again, we are arguing about the color of unicorn fur. (laughs) They do exist and they are out there. But the problem is I still wouldn't want to ride one because I'm pretty sure people would look at me and go, nice Rebel. (laughs) You know? It's... (laughs) Yeah, to each their own. I mean, no, I'm not saying I'm not saying they should burn all the rebels. I'm just saying I don't care for them. You know what? If your bike's in the shop, you ride the white rebel. I mean, that's my question. (laughs) I liked Casey's rebel. Casey didn't have a rebel. Casey had a BT750 Shadow. That's a hard one there. Oh yeah, she had a Shadow. Right. She had that Shadow Phantom Fury Edition or whatever the hell that thing was. Yeah, I enjoyed that bike. The uh, what do they call that? Toxic masculinity version. Yeah. yeah, whatever it was. It was, it, it, it was a good bike. <laughs> it was a Shadow 750, but it was sinister. You know, it's new. It's Honda dun, dun, make dun. A sinister bike. Honda did? No. It, it, you know what? They did with the F6B and with the Fury. Honda really did try to say, like, look at us. We can be tough, too. You don't meet the nicest people on a Honda. Fuck you and your you nice people. You meet the meanest people right. on a Honda. Yeah. We, nasty. we can drag or, our knuckles with the best Or maybe you just meet some sketchy people on a Honda occasionally. <laughs> you know what? It's like when they did the Honda Fury, you basically were like, ah, Jesse James's younger, gayer brother. You know? And that was the yeah. Honda Fury. No, but it's true. I don't like that kind of talk. I'm saying gayer, meaning it is not actually the Jesse James meth salesman mm. transportation system it is the actual factory manufactured for safety and reliability sensible <laughs> so i'm curious about the topics you might have had on oh. board for us tonight well uh, the first topic that i wanted to talk about was they just <laughs> had the tokyo before we jump into this please I, I gotta tell you a quick story so a friend of mine who you know ed delzani i know ed delzani yeah. so I went to grade school with him. He's got a shop over near where I live. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, we knew him. So he took in a bike, a Harley. Mm-hmm. The guy wanted you know hydraulic lifters and this and then something else. Mm-hmm. And eventually, five thousand dollars worth of stuff, and it was going to be a uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he didn't decide to <clears throat> punt and switch to a different motorcycle. No, no, no. He's really? going to pump all this money into the bike. Oof. And uh, it was gonna be a gonna be a ten day job, and so the yeah. guy says, "Do you want any? Do you want to deposit?" It says, "No, you know, we'll we'll take care of it. You know, just catch you have it. your bike." Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, day nine, he yeah. gets a call from oh, no. the the friend of the bike owner. Uh, bike owner just had a massive heart attack. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm gonna start getting deposits. 
If well, you come in yeah. and you look like you look like you might be a pack a day kind of guy, I'm getting well, a deposit. Forty eight years old. Yeah. You know, does get the fuck out yeah. of here. Yeah, so So, so nine say, days into a five thousand dollar job. Yeah, so it's five thousand dollar job. The guy is divorced, and Eddie's has a girlfriend, the- has a kid, doesn't know if he has a will, and what Ed is mm-hmm. has is a mechanics lien. He has a mechanics lien on a very overpriced Oh. You know, oh bike, and I God. thought, oh man, you know, here he is trying to do the guy, yeah, he's trying a favor, to do you know, solid. yeah, you don't have to give me a deposit. Oh, God. so that hurts. So, man. so the so the moral of that story is, fuck that, get a deposit, get a deposit, man. Yeah. Forty eight years old, yeah, five thousand dollars worth of massive heart medicine. attack, massive yeah, heart attack. and he's probably not going to make it. Oh, oh, crushing. Yeah, and you know what? I and I will. Here's my little piece of advice. You can take this back to Ed. Mechanics lien doesn't mean shit once the guy dies. The bike is still going to go to probate. Ed is going to lose that bike. Because I am, I am in that situation with the Honda CV450 Hawk. Yeah. I swear he brought the bike in and had no motor on it. <laughs> Strangest <laughs> thing. But no, that bike, seriously, <laughs> the only way that he can get out of that is while the guy... Parted out while nobody's looking? No, no. I mean, before the guy leaves this corporeal plane... Make sure that you get a signature on a title. Yeah. You know? Because, uh, yeah. and either with the wife or the girlfriend or whoever is his executor, because what will happen is the guy will die. And we have had this problem with Gary Fry fucking Fogel, if anybody remembers. Um, we had his bike in for service and had about $2,500 worth of work into it. And, and Gary, was Gary decided to go out and shovel his driveway on Valentine's Day. That's a good thing to do. Uh, they found him a week and a half later. <laughs> a week and a half later. Yeah. I've heard of those stories, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Don't show the own show. And, and it's great when these ticker. people die intestate well, without a will. Well, this is the problem. And is, nobody knows you know, what the hell's going the on. The bike was absolutely in his name, but then there's you know there's a court ruling. Does you know who get who in the family gets what? Yeah. And meanwhile, we're still owed twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. And the brother shows up like nine months later of us just having the bike <clears> around here. And the brother just shows up nine months later with a title in his hand and goes, I'm here to pick up Gary's bike. And I'm like, you can, as soon as the $2,500 service order being paid. And he's like, I'm, I didn't ask you to do that work. Yeah, fuck you. And I went, well, then you're not getting this motorcycle. And then it turns out I can't do a mechanics lien against it because the owner of the vehicle is dead. He's deceased. So I can't do a mechanics lien. Because part of a mechanics lien is I have to send a certified letter. I have to notify the owner of the bike. That the work is done and there's an outstanding invoice on it. Well, he's on life support right now. Well, guess what? And, and, and Ed's standing next to the plug. I was going to sure say. that doesn't get pulled. <laughs> he's literally holding the plug in the wall with both hands. Hey. Don't anybody get any funny ideas. This man owes me five grand. Yeah, that's terrible. And you know the, the worst thing about heart attacks for 48-year-old men? Yeah. Fucking expensive. Yeah. They don't leave you much money left over to pay your bills at your Harley mechanic. Yeah, <laughs> but I do want to say though about the issue of deposits. You know, many people are so offended if you ask them for a deposit on any kind of work mm-hmm. because they think it's conferring a belief that they're not trustworthy. For yes, the money. then that's correct. And, and, it's, <laughs> and that's, but that's not only what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. things happen. A shop does put itself at risk by yeah. starting work, and yeah. I think. So again, to the listeners of the podcast, there are, there are um, blessedly many of you mm-hmm. don't resist that and spread it to your friends. You know, it's really, it's really just fair and letting the shop get you know get prepared and do the work and not just be totally at risk in any type of situation. So just you know, 
Go with the go with the program. Don't don't think someone's accusing you. Yeah, they you have need, a program for a reason. Because you need to buy parts. You need to. I mean, yeah. and you know what else? I, I mean, I hate at to be this guy. For that reason, but at, just, the, but at the end of the day, no, I I don't trust you. I mean, what's what's my trust with you for twenty five hundred or five thousand dollars? Screw that. How do you prove that you're worth that? And How do then, I prove I'm worth it? Well, it's a shop. It's easy. Well, Been in business for seventeen years. Yeah. No, 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 if you no, don't no. Like my work. No, 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 but you're you're as a shop owner talking to me, it just rolls in off the street. How do you know that I'm going to make good on stuff? You don't. That's just Mm. ridiculous. And we're very cautious, and I'm sure we talked about this in the podcast a few weeks ago with the Ducati. Mm -hmm. With that Ducati, the 20-year-old monster. Our service invoice for this bike, because this bike has never been serviced in the 20 years that it's been on planet Earth. It's never had a service. We, we're we arguing whether or not it's ever even had the fucking oil change in 20 years. Okay? In its 9,000-mile history. But the point is, at 20 years, this Ducati is due for all of the services. Yeah. You know, if there's a service a Ducati can have, this bike needed it 10 years ago. So the value, the, the repair estimate... Is going to be fucking way higher than the fourteen hundred dollar Kelly Blue Book value of this motorcycle, and don't let the hard on you have in your heart for the word Ducati get in the way. That's still a fourteen hundred dollar Kelly Blue Book bike in running condition, yeah, in which service condition, which it ain't. Yeah. So when that bike came in, we got we looked at that bike to build a service invoice for it. We absolutely called the guy and said, look. You're going over the KBB value of this bike. Yeah. I mean, the most expensive part of this bike is going to be the work we put into it. And we could literally be left holding the bag if you move, decide you don't like us, whatever. Now, here's another reason that I think deposits are a great idea. Mm-hmm. I do listen to other podcasts. And I'm on many Facebook forums and motorcycle forums and everything else. And people love to shit on dealers. I'll never take my bike back to that fucking guy or whatever. And everybody loves to shit on dealers. That's fine. But you might be shitting on that dealer, but somehow that bad, dumb, irritating criminal has been in business for 5, 10, 15, 20 fucking years. So in you, a tough industry. In a fucking super tough industry. Mm. So you might be the minority, or maybe you just don't like the idea of paying $45 to have your tire changed. Eh, whatever. Maybe you feel like you could do it cheaper than I recommend. Fuck your hat. And go do it yourself. Yeah. But the the real thing is Buy when you pay screens. a deposit, what you are doing is you are guaranteeing <clears throat> that you're going to get service. And I have worked in a number of shops, and I've been in a number of <clears throat> environments. There is a different sense of obligation to the guy who pays a deposit than the guy whose bike is over in the corner. Right. And we might get paid on that someday. Right. And let's differentiate, too, between yeah. a guy that pays a deposit yeah. and the guy that just pays you up front. Mm-hmm. The guy that pays you up front might feel like a bit like a sucker. Right. The guy that pays a deposit right. is maybe, it's like an exercise of trust on both sides. Right. Mm-hmm. This guy says, I'm serious, and yeah. you said, mm-hmm. you know, I know this guy's serious. Absolutely. It's, My it's, best customers are the ones that call me every two weeks or call me every week. We try to contact our customers every Thursday, let them know the status mm-hmm. of their bike on a long-term project or a long-term job. And when I contact a guy and tell him, this is what we did, dot, dot, dot. And now we work on old motorcycles. Sometimes sometimes it takes a long fucking time to get mm-hmm. parts in. Yeah. So we'll call him and say, this is what we're doing. We're waiting on this to come in. We're waiting on that to come in. We did this. We did that. 
I love it when the guys are like, hey, can I give you a hundred bucks? Mm-hmm. Yep. I love it so that yep. at the end of a period, given period of time, when I'm ready to have him pick his bike up, he owes me like 38 bucks. Yeah. And to, then we have a wonderful relationship and it's not, hey, Dave, I need you to come pick your bike up and your invoice is $1,550. Right. He's going to feel that. And it's not so, going to be awesome. So I'll be there in four weeks. I'll be there in four weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, right. really. Oh, we've done I mean, it. Yeah. I have a bike right now in my warehouse that some people will remember from the, maybe we mentioned it in another podcast, but it's the, the kid from uh, Painesville who had the bandit. The oh, blue Christ. bandit. Oh, no. And this thing was a, I mean, this thing was. That a, thing? It was bought from a salvage yard. It was bought from police salvage. <laughs> it had been tuned, air quotes, oh, installed. Uh, um, yeah. Tuned by. Uh, giant air quotes. Right. And you remember that bike was a fucking mm-hmm. disaster. And it was a, it was a major disaster. But the kid was just like, I'm going to give you a 200. I'm going to give you a 200. I'm going to give you a 200. And Smart he, kid. And the kid kept, and he wasn't, and he's not, a, he's not 25. He's like, 18 years old. Wow. But he did come so in. He's and selling com- reefer and- or something? <laughs> <laughs> but he religiously came in and paid, you know, a couple of hundred bucks here, a Usher couple hundred out. bucks there. And we did have to really go through this bike. The person before him was a maniac. Like, it had some insane ghetto tuning done to it. Sketchy stuff. It was really, really bad. And, like, the sprockets were even wrong. Like, the sprockets were the wrong sprockets for the bike. <laughs> you know, it had the wrong chain for the bike. Like, everything that could have been uh, rigged was rigged and rigged poorly. So, I think somebody just was, was just, like, randomly stealing parts off of other motorcycles oh. and putting them on this motorcycle. Stuff didn't, stuff wasn't where it was supposed so to be. So, judgment about where to, what bike you buy may or may not be equal to your mm. etiquette as yeah. a customer. Yeah. Because he had good yeah. etiquette. He yeah, he had fantastic etiquette. And because you. his father is the guy that I sold one of my old bandits to. So we already knew, like, his father was a very good guy. We knew him from Nemeth's Bar. And, like, he was just a good cat who paid the bill and then had gotten follow-up maintenance done on the band that I sold him. And it was a band that I had been riding for years, the 1200, that I knew the bike intimately. I had no qualms about selling it to his dad. But then Junior wanted to have a motorcycle, and he'd already been riding dad's 1200. So he kind of... And Junior, by the way, is six foot three and 275. So... He could handle a band of 12. <laughs> but there was a trust from both ends. Yeah, he you was knew a big his kid. dad and you knew he was a trustworthy yeah. person and he knew that you exactly. did a good job and, and they paid them and he paid yeah. the money and that was great. And that's cool. And that was one of the, and it turned out to be that bike pissed off everybody that worked at the East Side shop. I mean, hmm. there's not a single person that came and Didn't visited the shop that was like, "Um, yeah, why need you go and throw a couple hours on that band of 1200?" And you're like, "No. No." We called the bike Bandit Junior. Yeah, because not that it was one. literally and not, no, I don't want to work on Bandit Junior. And while Bandit Junior's bike was up on the lift, Bandit Senior's bike came in and got like all new pads and rotors and stuff right. done and got even before the other and one shoved was... back out four hours later. And Junior's like bike. my bike's been there three weeks. Oh. It's like, yeah, dad bought his bike from me. You bought your bike from the salvage, like police <laughs> salvage. Bad scene. Uh, Tokyo motorcycle show. Has anybody looked at the pictures from this place? A few, yeah. It's okay. So Yamaha now <laughs> yeah, so has. So what did you think? A robot. What did you think, Pete? I didn't see the. I didn't see the Yamaha robot. I, I'm going to go right to the Kimco. Please do. What? What's the Ionic or? What yeah, the Ionic. That is a brilliant idea. It is it a brilliant is. idea. 
I, all I can think of is like working with screw guns and the battery goes dead and you keep rotating. You got like four batteries for your screw gun and it's like you keep rotating them as they go dead. And if they could do that with electric motorcycles, scooters, that would answer the problem that a lot of people have with electric battery powered motorcycles. So I'm curious about the Ionic. So it's an electric motorcycle? Let's let the maestro... Uh, We'll be happy to. Um, so what oh, Kimco has done is they have taken a, and for and this is a little tip. Uh, I'll go ahead and turn this around so people can see it. I'll give a little tip for the marketing department at Kimco. If you're going to use a word like ionics, lowercase i o n e x, lowercase i on every typewriter in America looks like an L. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I was doing a search for this, the the magazine that had written the story on had used a uppercase L. So it's like a Alonix. Oh. So they were um, they were capitalizing Kimco, and they were capitalizing Ionix, but they were capitalizing the lowercase L into an uppercase L. So that makes it Alonix from Korea, right? It makes it from Alonix from uh, Taiwan in no, this I'm case. No, I'm saying yeah, Kimco. Right. People or always Kimco, say, where's right. that from, Korea? Kimco's got to be Korea, right? So anyway, what they did is they took a scooter that they sell called the Campagnolo, which is a small scooter. It's uh, smaller than a Vespa 150. It's, it's, you know, it's in that Buddy 125 category of small like scooter. A, sounds but vaguely Italian. It, <laughs> the Campagnolo does, <laughs> Campagnolo. yeah. yeah. Campagno. Campagno, sorry. It's not Campagnolo. That's bicycle. That's good bicycle gear. Campagno. Uh, but anyway, now what makes this different? So this scooter has three batteries. It has one battery that's permanent party that stays on the scooter at all times. But then there are two batteries that are down in the floorboard type area or in the medium storage area. And you can run either one battery or two battery. And those two batteries will are hot swappable. They're literally just pull them out. They have handles built into them. They, they, they pull out and pop in. And the main thrust about the Ionics, the Kimco Ionics, is that those batteries are going to be distributed throughout the world the same way that we today exchange propane cylinders. Hey baby, the gas girl's the gas girl's out of propane. Go out to sheets and get me another propane cylinder. Mm -hmm. They're not going to refill your existing propane cylinder. That would be complicated and take too long. You're simply going to drop off your empty propane cylinder, pick up a new propane cylinder, and charge the eighteen bucks or twenty two bucks. So that's what the vending machine. That's what the vending machine is all about. Yeah. So the vending machine. Yeah. The vending machine is all about. Now, now, didn't we talk about this? We did. did. We did. Listen, two years ago, three we years ago, the red box concept. batteries. And other than the fact that this isn't red, it's the same idea. It is <laughs> a red box. stole concept. our idea. No, well, there's a little difference between theft and I copyrighted that. And the obvious solution <laughs> Don, Don, to the problem. No, Cleveland right. City Hall. I got. <laughs> I got the paperwork at well, then, home underneath the. Uh, you've got a couch <laughs> under the couch. So yeah. the Scribbled on a napkin. So the Ionics, and that's the idea, is there'll, there'll be these charging centers, all these battery exchange centers. Mm-hmm. So you can literally roll up. And the idea is... And just pull out your batteries. Yes. Put your credit card in. Yes. Grab new ones. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, well, you're going to pay for fresh ones. That's okay. Cleveland. You could ride to Columbus, Detroit, or Pittsburgh, roughly 125 miles and away. That's, that's in any direction. Yeah. Go to one of these stands. You mm-hmm. swap out your batteries. You're... 
Another 125 Their miles. Their forecast is I, I mean, that... I'm just grabbing that number out of the air. You're right, though. But Before be you know it, you're in Bolivia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the one battery stays in the bike, and the battery stays in the bike. That is a permanent battery that's mounted inside the scooter. The other two batteries are swappable instantly. That's phenomenal. There's also storage under the seat. This is the fun thing. There's storage under the seat where you could take two more batteries keep and them store hot. them under the seat. Keep them hot? You don't have to keep them hot. They're lithium ions. They'll so hold their charge they're for They're charged. Years. All right. Yeah. Yeah. A 100% charged lithium ion battery will stay 100% charged for a year. So then you have five yeah. batteries and then, then keep on going until you hit the Well, the they're saying with the three, they're saying with the three batteries on board, the three batteries on board, you're looking at a 120-mile range, Oof. give or take, based on usages. Right. Pete knew so, that's just how far you ought to be able target. to go. Well, and it's the same standard that they use with the zero. Zero, zero. Mm-hmm. So, you know, their concept of the zero is if you can't go 120 based on the existing batteries you're carrying, the bike should have a level two charger or something on it. So you have the ability to, in like 20 or 30 minutes, add electricity to it. So, so that's this, really cool. Is this Ionics coming to the States? They, uh, <laughs> I love how uh, some manufacturers. Harley Davidson. <laughs> <coughs> talk about their electric motorcycle. Oh, yeah, sometimes. Because you know it was a Brahma first, three four years ago. Mm-hmm. That was the Brahma, and Harley Davidson is now saying that they're going to have an electric motorcycle available to us. And everything, every article I've read has said this bike is going to be out in eighteen months, six months ago. Right. So that means they have a year to get this project done. They they've told the. the the marketing world, they've told the reporting world that they're going to be working with Alta Motors, who is a well-known electric motocross motorcycle company. The one thing we can say unequivocally about Alta Motors is they have not yet sold a street bike. Ever. Factual statement, right? They just haven't. They sell dirt bikes. That's what they make. Harley-Davidson, I don't think, is going to be putting their logo on the side of a dirt bike. I think they learned a lesson from the MT500 all those years ago, right? The AMF years. Right. Well, yeah, that too. So I don't think, I find it to be highly unlikely that Harley-Davidson is going to be actually to be able to produce this thing when all their marketing department has said is, we're going to have it out in 18 months, and they made that statement roughly six months ago. Okay. Kimco's different. Kimco says, um, we plan to have 500,000 of them produced within the next five years. That's a completely different statement than we think we'll have run ready in 18 months. Those big numbers. 500,000. And I'm going to tell you, Kimco's the company that it's, can do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Into the Asian market? I mean, oh, yeah. and think, that's, think about the, like, the numbers that they're dealing with yeah. over there versus the numbers of... Scooters and well, think States. about what Kimco produces. Yeah. I mean, they, that's that's what they do. They produce. And, and, and even the Asian market, it's sort of made for that because you have a lot of stop-and-go traffic that yep. actually helps expand your, your range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, population building, density. And the population yeah. density. Yeah, and they're all not them are building driving. a new scooter. This is a Campania. This is a scooter that's already there. They're just giving an electric powertrain. That's going to cut yeah. your production time way the hell down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't it a V-twin? 
Uh, I'm gonna stop beating that drum oh, now. It's, it's, it's cute. Fire it's fresh to yeah. me, so I think it's hilarious. I got uh, called out a couple of uh, months yeah, ago. The, uh, it was Oscar that did it. It's, I'm it's, sorry. It's a I, I just did the one time. The, uh, so what else from what else from Tokyo? That's. I mean, I think that I really do think the Ionics thing. Uh, now, granted, am I gonna am I gonna give a shit? Am I gonna have any desire at all to own an Ionics? No. Hell no. It's. I, I wouldn't want to own a uh, Campania. I wouldn't want to own that scooter in a gas format. Why would I want to own an electric format? It does nothing for me. I'm sure that it's going to be... And their idea behind this, as they said, in all their, and they're off, and all their marketing material says straight up, we are going to release this to all of the markets. Like, we're not going to just... This isn't going to be just a Taiwan product. It's not just going to be a China product. It's going to be a Vietnam. It's going to be an everywhere product. Because the kiosks, like, that's going to be a, an awesome revenue stream for them. Right. If they can get these battery packs built affordably enough, and those kiosks are <clears throat> relatively, you know, like like we talked about Redbox. I mean, Redbox machines Ubiquitous. cost money. Well, there's economy of scale, too, yeah. when if you get enough people doing this. Well, um, boy, you're gonna. it's going to be within a year, maybe. Once these kiosks go up, I'll bet you it's within a year until we see Shimco come out with their device that runs on the same, the same battery batteries, packs. Yeah. Until we see uh, Yardco come out with a leaf blower that runs on the same battery packs. Yeah. Until we see Farmco come out with a tractor that runs on the same battery packs. Because if somebody's going to build up an infrastructure like that, why wouldn't you take advantage of it? Adam yeah, and Eve comes I, out with a new... Uh, Never mind. The, the, granny pleaser, <laughs> the Granny Pleaser 3000? <laughs> yeah, for the dead nerve endings? Yeah. And why wouldn't you? You have yeah, these universal... Produce all races. Propane tanks, as you've said. Right. <laughs> or diesel batteries right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Make the same energy source, <clears throat> power, numerous devices. Without, ask, without anybody asking permission, Americans decided a long time ago that we apparently like to grill our steaks using a certain type of propane cylinder. And that certain type of propane cylinder is universally obtainable anywhere in our country. And if you happen to have an old one, they don't care. They drop it off there, and when the guy comes to fill them up, he'll take that thing back and refurb it with a new valve. But but, but it's yeah. still risky on them because we, we don't, I mean, at some point, we're gonna, they may be getting into the realm of BHS beta. Sure they will. And someone <laughs> else is going to say, I can do it cheaper. Yep. But guess what? We're not going to use the same exactly. format. We're not going to use the same connectors mm-hmm. and try yeah. to beat them to the punch. Mm-hmm. And so that's, it is risky. Boy, but that's it's absolutely it, it does, right. Whoever gets to the market first, if they do <clears> 500000 that's going to scare away any pretenders. Right. They're because gonna, they're going to go, okay, we were thinking about doing 100000 Kimco's going to do 500000 Hold back, everybody. Yeah. Hold back. Wait until they produce it. Get some of their batteries, and now build Chuck to that bang wagon. Yep. Well, didn't yeah. you share with me that that zero was in talks with Tesla or something? Yeah. And so, Absolutely. I wonder if that whole yeah. family is thinking of something like this as well. I don't know. And that's uh, we talked last week in our podcast quite a bit about the electrics. We spent mm-hmm. a lot of time with zero, mm-hmm. and we just had a nerd night last night here where we talked about some Zero stuff with some people, and somebody ended up buying a Zero S with a Level 2 charger. So that mm. person saw the value of having a Level 2 onboard charger. Meaning that it charges while it goes. No. no. That it's a fast charger. It's fast, fast charger. charger, yeah. 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 It's, uh, the, uh, it, it's, you know, 
Because they're all regenerative. Yeah, they regenerative. all have a certain amount of regeneration for braking and for coasting. But the idea behind a level two charger on board is it's a $2,000 increase in the expense of the vehicle. That's not chicken scratch. And it's going to cost you 250 to $700 to have the level two charger in your house to plug that bike in and be able to charge it in 45 minutes instead of three hours or what have you. But with this kind of a situation, the recharge time is now as long as it takes you to take your batteries out and put the new ones in, which is fantastic. And, you know, I would proffer that this is going to be the first generation of moving through stuff like this, Mm -hmm. much like, Mm -hmm. you know, videotapes Mm -hmm. started out at this, that, or something else and continue to progress both competitors and then technology stepping forward right. and and so then if there's an industry to make swap batteries there's going to be some people building up saying all right we're going to make a better swap battery than they're yeah. making it's it's great for the customers make sure you tell your friends that you were at the podcast on march 30th 2018 when phil waters told you silicone batteries are going to be what we're going to be dealing with in 18 months to two years and lithium-ion is going to be considered to be mm-hmm. what our ancestors used. Okay? Mm-hmm. And because the amount of battery density they can get out of those, they're not flammable. So it takes away the fear factor of that. So there is an element of, like, everybody's investing pretty heavily right now in lithium-ion. It's proven itself as being a very cheap resource because these batteries that come out of China are very affordable to buy. And anybody that compares the purchase price of a nickel metal hydride battery when it came out 15, 20 years ago, those fuckers were stupid expensive. Yep. Uh-huh. And now lithium batteries, we know that you can go to Ikea and buy a 24-pack of AA lithium batteries for like less than 80 cents a battery. And these are 1,000 charge cycle rechargeable lithium batteries. So you can actually buy the lithium-ion rechargeable battery for your device cheaper than buying the Energizer battery that you throw away when you're done with it. That's how cheap lithium-ion is. Mm-hmm. But lithium-ion has its problems. So if like this what? company... What well, certain things burn real fast when you add lithium-ion to them. So when you have a catastrophic failure of a lithium-ion battery, it becomes more devastating to the building it's parked in than just the device itself. Hmm. And remember at Christmas time, all those people oh. were buying those Chinese hoverboards? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they were burning down people's houses? Yeah. Samsung phones. Samsung phones yeah. couldn't fly on airplanes nope. because they were burning down airplanes. They were catching on fire in airplanes. Airlines still don't want you to have any lithium ion batteries. Correct. And so it got... There weren't a hell of a lot of incidents, but boy, the incidents that were there caught... You see, when you watch a YouTube video and you see a guy sitting there working on his computer and he jumps up and you can see fire coming out of his pocket. That'll leave a mark. Yes, it will leave a mark. (laughs) And thank God those security cameras were there to catch it because it's hilarious. But that's because the guy's Samsung phone decided to become a a white phosphor. A pocket uh, protector. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It decided to become a incendiary device in his pocket. And you don't have to see too many of those videos before you start, you know, remembering, oh, which pocket do I have my phone in? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, the and that was just one. a pinch cell. The right. flamey it wasn't even it. like no. a shorter. <laughs> and you're right, that a was pinch, a pinch cell. cell. So the next gen, you said, is silicon? Silicon. That's going to be our next battery technology. Huh. And how yeah. close is that to? That's what they're saying. They're saying less than two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. They're saying less than two years. So in less than two years, this is going to, it's going to dramatically increase our capacity. It's going to dramatically increase our range. It's going to be 
uh, less flammable. It's going to be less of an issue for disposal. Now, I say, could do a silicone joke, but I won't do that. Well, for yeah. present company, right. you know. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. I'm silicone free. <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting for the batteries. Just waiting for the batteries. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the and that's the smart game I think at this point. So this this situation, whether Ionix and you, Oscar brings up a great point because it is going to be the VHS. It's going to be the VHS. VHS beta. Beta. Yeah. It's going to be, and right now, the problem is like Milwaukee tools, Dewalt tools, Ryobi, really? whatever you got. Yeah. There's all these different tools, and each one of these tools uses a different, different proprietary yeah. battery pack. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought that was psychotic. Yep. Like. How the hell is it that an item that you are going to have to replace during the life of the tool, how the hell is it that these companies haven't said, wouldn't it just make sense for us to have a standardized device? But let me tell you a story. So yeah. I, I used to work for Lanier. Right. And Lanier had its own proprietary word processing system. Yeah. And not only did they have a proprietary word processing system, but they had their own operating system. Okay. Yeah. It was a linear yeah. operating yeah. system. Sure. And, and it was built by a company called Wang. I don't know if you remember Wang. Oh, yeah, Wang. we remember Wang, yeah. So Wang built the operating system, and and Lanier decided that's back when yeah. MS, Microsoft, right. was nothing. No. And who would want to do that? But IBM had their operating system. Sure. everybody and had their own So system. there was three or four of those, and yeah. everybody thought, well, we're going to be the big boys. Right. Rather than just saying, all right, you know, Microsoft is the one we'll right will roll over and go with theirs. And it took them years yeah. to decide that eh, maybe this was a mistake. And, yeah. and and the market said, well, we're not buying a proprietary operating system anymore. We're going to go with right. what everybody else is using, well, which is Microsoft. And that whole industry for Lanier died. Oh, it killed it. And the yeah. whole company of Lanier essentially, sorry to people in Atlanta, but the whole industry mm-hmm. or company of Lanier just basically died. Because that's where they're making the money hand over well, fist. They had military contracts. All of our computers in nineteen eighty four, five, six, seven yeah. were Lanier computers. Yeah. In the military. And I'll, that's I'll, a hell of a contract. Yeah, and I'll, I'll bet your wireless back then was all Lanier too. It probably yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I those those were in green boxes. We couldn't read the logo on them. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> the but okay, take all that. Yeah. Except for the fact that this machine runs on a double A battery. Mm-hmm. Uh, we agreed in our country. We agreed long time ago that double A's, triple A's, C's, and D's were acceptable ways to put electricity into a device. And we came up with these basically five platforms, no, including don't the nine the volt. Nine volt. <laughs> That's right. Don't don't oh, forget the lowly nine volt in the D. But redheaded stepsister. We oh. agreed a long time ago that we were going to have these five different basic shaped mm-hmm. cells, and that. If you do cut apart your cordless drill battery, what's in there is essentially a whole bunch of goddamn lithium ion together and, yep, yep. fucking double A's, yep. right? You know, and if you cut apart a Tesla, there's essentially a shit ton of essentially double A's in there too. So the point <laughs> is, You're it's, get letters on that. but it's very annoying that <laughs> technically they're C cells, right? But I mean, that's the point is right. Right. The point being that it's still a format that we use, but we're packaging them into these little boxes that say DeWalt or Milwaukee or whatever on them. And because they are rechargeable, they're lithium ion, they're rechargeable, it's just in a red box or a green box or a yellow box or whatever. Or a tube. Some of them kind of tube. But the point is they just don't, why not just have the box be full of the universal batteries? Wait, there already are full of universal batteries. 
well, why don't we just admit the fact that we're using universal Same. batteries and putting them in different shaped boxes and just put it back to the thing where, do you know how many batteries my boombox held in 1984? <laughs> eight, eight motherfucking eight. batteries. Yeah. Yeah. Eight, eight fucking D-size batteries. <laughs> yeah. If I was qualified to install eight batteries, <laughs> eight 1.5-volt batteries, in 1984, eight do you know how many batteries are in your Milwaukee 18-volt Cordless drill? <clears throat> Four. Here's Catchy, a hint. Magic wand. Yeah. <laughs> no, but there's a hint. It's still 1.5 volts. Yeah. So right. if it's 1.5 volts and you have eight of them, you're producing 12 volts. Mm -hmm. So if you have a 12-volt cordless drill from DeWalt, still, yep. it has eight, eight batteries in it. Yep. And those are AA batteries. They're lithium, ion, but they're still the same. There's no reason we can't put them in ourselves when our battery goes bad. Because what is inside your battery pack. No matter what industry you use, your pro gear for the thing. fire department is all got. We, if we cut it apart and open it up, there are there's a battery shop near you that will take your, quote, dead DeWalt batteries or your dead Milwaukee batteries and charge you 30 or 40 or $50 to refurbish those batteries. They're going to cut apart the electric, the plastic housing. They're going to re-solder all those little cells in there, and they're going to reset the little computer chip in there that is the tattletale to tell the company that you fucked with your own battery. Done. And Battery empire. Battery huh? empire, right? <laughs> Give them yep. a free plug, right? <laughs> Give them a free plug because that's what they do. And they'll do that for your Power Wheels battery or they'll do that for your DeWalt device. But I just don't understand why we couldn't have put it into a, a, sl a very easy device that we could just say, we, we just already have this system. It's just capitalism versus yeah. practical, right? Mm -hmm. It must have to do with brands and the fact that people like different yeah. brands for different reasons, and so they'll buy more than just And yet one brand. Weber mm -hmm. and Charbroil and all these different companies use the same propane cylinder. Well, but that's back that up to what Barry yeah. just said. Whether you like whatever brand of uh, electric power tool, right. even though those cells are all the same inside, right. there's some sort of a... Uh, a plug-in that's... Attachment housing, yeah. That's um, proprietary yeah. to whichever brand you're using. Gender-specific So to when you brand, plug right? it into yeah. the right. pistol grip of your drill, right. it has to fit. Even though right. you're using the same technology, the right. same Absolutely. cells, right. there's some sort of a, a puzzle piece that only yep. fits yeah. into your branded drill. And ironically, we have said that whether I'm using a Tascam recorder or a, you know, a Zoom recorder or whether I'm using a Hitachi device, they all take the same AA battery. And look so at on the, one side of the industry, we're true. totally okay with what, and not only what type of a size of battery, but who cares what manufacturer it is, whether it's a Rayovac or an Energizer. Look what they've done in the computer yeah. industry with USB. Yeah. Universal yeah. serial Jesus bus. Christ. Everything is the same. You can yeah. charge your phone. You can make right. uh, a fan plug into it. You Anything. can light yeah. whatever you want mm -hmm. to take power off. You can off download a podcast off of this device so, right. or when that the, device. Yeah. Power sports industry or the power tool industry. Acknowledges or, universal makes it a universal interface right. then you can use whatever battery for whatever and that makes these universal charging stations or swapping mm -hmm. stations yeah. much more attractive mm -hmm. or marketable i guarantee there's one universality every single one of us has used this week and that is we all agreed that our motorcycles run on gasoline yeah. and that's a universality mm -hmm. honda's running ga on gasoline kawasaki's running gasoline suzuki's running gasoline these motorcycles are running gasoline, and we've we've accepted that fact. My they, Suzuki runs on awesome, but yeah, but they don't run on, you know, different fuels. Mm -hmm. 
it's just kind of accepted that in the power sports industry, your motorcycles, your jet skis, all that kind of stuff, they run on gasoline. Mm -hmm. And we've been cool with that for a very long time, that universality of the fuel. Well, depending so, on the octane, we're well, a little or less, a little yes. more cool. But that, less but that, that, right. that fight was, right. you know, that happened 150 years ago. Yeah, you know, it's going to be. But, but you're still going to have gasoline or diesel, or yeah. it's going to be. You, you're still going to have your one-off company like yeah. Apple that does yeah. their own little dongle that's special and just yeah. can't have do whatever everybody else is doing. Don't Apple me. Well, and but, they suck, man. But, but it's, it's, well, but I'm an Apple guy. It doesn't matter what they. And you have everything yeah. Apple, and that's the right. thing. It's right. just like the Walt and everything else. Right. You, you buy into the one thing. You buy into the ecosystem, and guess what? You I don't want to know how long it's going to take iPods, me to iPhones, unlearn my iPhone. And you have everything I. When I have to switch over to a different device. Yeah. But there, that's true, and. Well, that means I'm going to have to switch because I'm not going to be able to figure it out if I don't have you. <laughs> don't like, switch. Answering my questions. No, but the point being, if it has to happen, <laughs> and. You know, when I ride a motorcycle, I know how to ride a motorcycle, whether that motorcycle is a BMW or Harley Davidson or Kawasaki. It's all the same. Another case in yeah. point. Think about the old days when some motorcycles were left hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. Throttle or right. le- left foot shift. How or, long did it take us to get tanks. rid of right all shift. that fucking wrong footed shifting and shit? Mm-hmm. And like, even in you cars, know? you know, most yeah. cars now it's universal, yeah. like mm-hmm. where the. Windshield wipers are where the oh, turn signal right. stocks are. Yeah. Of course, it's it's been Let's standardized. Unless you're filling your buying cars from Japan, <laughs> Merritt and I are the only people that I guarantee <laughs> will turn on our wipers instead of turning on our turn signals ninety percent of the time. Because whatever vehicle we're in, we're going to use so the wrong hand for the right. wipers and the turn signals. Yeah. Luckily, so, it's a low stakes mistake. It is a low stakes mistake. <laughs> hey, I want to turn. <laughs> so when these things have been standardized, though, yeah. it goes a long way towards. Mm-hmm. It'll take time, but it's still going to be Just like right. the gasoline. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I do wish that we would... I I know that that's something that's holding a lot of people back because I we have the electric discussion way too much here at the shop. Considering that 85, 90% of the vehicles we're surrounded by all burn dead dinosaurs. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the, the ones that are electric, you know... Um, get most of the attention. They burn the ions. Boogie, boogie, boogie. Dead, yeah. Dead well, and that's you know, and it's true. The the shit that everybody wants to talk about is electric. They've all they know how the internal. Well, the problem is they don't know how the internal combustion engine works, but they're familiar with it. You know, and the electric engine, which the electric the only motor, thing they're familiar with is that it burns gas, right? If yeah. you leave the electrons sitting in the carburetor for more than 90 yeah. days, they don't clog up the gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the water don't and all the other Star-tron. stuff that we do. Dude, if, if I had a nickel for every time I've had to clean those <laughs> electric carburetors out of my carburetor. Well, and, you know, we're going to have to come up with a whole new kind of electric starting fluid. Yeah. <laughs> Wolf juice? It's a whole different thing, it's man. Just gonna be, <laughs> it's going to be one of those a little jump pack. Those honk cans. <laughs> honk! But it's, uh, there you it, go. Is, it is an interesting thing. At the Tokyo Moto Show, they had, uh, Yamaha had its, uh, Yamaha had its self-driving motorcycle. We all saw the Honda self-driving motorcycle. Oh, and now, uh, Honda, now Yamaha has their own, and, not to be outdone, so does BMW. So everybody has an electric self-driving motorcycle. And Honda has really sp- spiffed Ooh. theirs up. It looks pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. 
as far as like an attractive looking motorcycle, it's, saying, I want to rape it. Yeah. It looks <laughs> it looks but, way way better than its can prototype. Can I actually drive it? What's that? Can I actually drive it? Well, yeah. Can I just hop on? Well, you I said it was no, no. The only the only thing between you and this motorcycle right now is about two hundred and thirty thousand dollars. No, I think yeah. what he's saying is, can you switch it? Can you switch yeah, it can it like can, can I actually get on and driver? ride the bike? Yes. So here's the thing: I think is, that's what he was saying. you yeah. can hail. Yes, you can get on and hail. Thank me. you, Mary. Yes, that you can get exactly on and ride the saying. bike. Absolutely. That's its primary life function: mm. is to be a motorcycle. Its secondary life function is the fact that you cannot. You'll have a hard time falling off of it. That's what I was going to say because I saw the one that had gyros that was mm-hmm. self-balancing, and that was. Sort of like a gimmick, but that's part of the self-driving kind of concept of self-parking or whatever. And you, you can hail this just... bike like you can right. literally. You can tell this bike to go in the garage, and you can call this bike from the garage to come sort and of get. What, like the Tesla Have you seen any of these like toy remote control motorcycles that are like they're self-balancing yeah. and that's so weird. it's like it's hard to wreck them. It so, is hard to wreck them. I I played with one and for a hundred dollars that so thing could go anywhere. So here's one you can actually get on and ride. It's yeah. the same thing. The it's same the same concept, thing. Yeah. just upscale. It is and. You know, the the thing that they were demonstrating at the Tokyo Motor Show is that the guy from Yamaha comes out and he says, you know, he, he the motorcycle's standing there. And I, the sort of the less awesome thing is, it's a gorgeous, I mean, a gorgeous motorcycle, except for the fact that it had little stabilizers, little aftermarket training wheels that were on it to just prevent an embarrassing thing from happening mm-hmm. there in the motor show. Um, and but but odd. he did call you know he did call the bike over and the bike did respond to him and came over to him and uh, it did all those things I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty huge. I'm just thinking. Does anyone, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say I'm thinking that you know in the states mostly motorcycling is something you do because you want a connection with the bike you want a connection with the road it's a riding experience it's a driving experience. Whereas even in our recent visit to Italy, and certainly even more so in the Asian countries, it's utilitarian transportation. Right. So you here, I don't think people want motorcycles to drive themselves. I think it's that's why you have one, right. is to be a driver, um, versus other places where it's just the only practical transportation, and if all of a sudden it's taking care of it for you, that's great. So that's what I'm just thinking... Now, this isn't I, a I agree. The it's, at all, here, ever. here, it's to you know be an experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, it's it's I mean, not uh, it, the, in other countries. It you know it it, te- it you know it definitely is like uh, a mode of transportation. It's the only way to get somewhere. It's the only yeah, way you can... but in in America, it's you know we're we're here to have an experience. Mm-hmm. And and I can tell you the first thing is I ride zeros a lot, and. There are times when the zero experience is exactly the experience I want to have. No clutch, mm-hmm. no noise, just me and the sound of the things around me. Smells and everything. Really. There's other times when I want to grab that thing by the scruff of its neck and 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 let the revs go too high and drop right. the clutch out and experience that. So what would be, thing. in terms of your garage, what would be the polar opposite to the zero? Like what do you ride when you want that? Oh God! Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? There's been a string of there's been a string of Harley Davidsons, but honestly, it's a Greedso. Mm. So when you want the opposite of a zero, you ride a Greedso, <laughs> because and that's funny that they're both, you know, the iteration on those is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. But the uh, 
they're the zero is like very refined and very like yeah it's it's it's, it's predictable you know what you're gonna get every fucking time and you can set it for sport mode and and go holy shit it still has the holy shit factor because mm-hmm. it does it goes from zero to 60 and like Three seconds. Top thrill dragster. It is top thrill dragster, exactly. Mm-hmm. The top thrill dragster at Cedar Point, every time you get on it, I assure you there's computers there to make sure that you have the same experience <laughs> because they figured out a way to not kill people on that thing. It's but, intense but sanitized. Exactly, uh-huh. right. You know you're not going to die because nobody's died on it yet. But the. Until uh, this summer. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Ta da! But so that zero experience is exciting, but it's sanitized or whatever when you get on the gritso and you just when you start the motor the motorcycle tries to throw you off of it oh yeah the second the <laughs> second like, you press the start button the you're bike going goes to the right yeah the bike goes side 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 and it's like it is like watching a newfoundland dog shake off when it gets out of the water that motorcycle is like at any point that dog's gonna fall over yeah. but no the motorcycle somehow manages to stay upright and the uh and that is very visceral. And that right there prepares you for some shit's about to happen. <laughs> and then when you do drop the clutch out and you, you ride the motorcycle, the, the motorcycle has a, a clutch that's stiffer than it needs to be. And it's, you know, and its steering is like, it's incredibly good to ride it fast, but it, around town, stop and go traffic, it's not happy. So two different experiences. Yeah, yeah. two totally different so experiences. So these you know, yeah. self-riding, self-driving motorcycles. I think it's a party trick. I think it's yeah. no better, I think it's no more practical than the BMW roof scooter or, you know, any of that. Or a car phone. What's that? <laughs> or, or who's gonna buy that shit? Or the Yamaha motorcycle with the two front wheels, or Piaggio MP3. Oh, the MP3. There's yeah. all kinds of shit out there that doesn't need to fucking exist, but it exists. <laughs> They're like you know? engineering graduate school projects right. that somehow yeah. get made but don't really have. Yeah. Any. Think about anti-lock brakes. Remember right. when BMW came out with anti-lock brakes sure. on motorcycles? Yeah. And they, there was like a video, like you talked about the outriggers on some mm-hmm. of these self-driving motorcycles. Absolutely. I remember seeing a video probably 10, 15 years ago, right. and it showed a BMW motorcycle with anti-lock brakes, and it had outriggers on it, yeah. and they had a, a parking lot. Soaped down. Soaped down. Soaped down. And down. covered with like yeah. hay or straw yeah. or something. Yeah. It was an impossible riding surface. Yeah. You, yeah. It was, you might as well have been on an ice rink. Yeah. And... A normal motorcycle, you couldn't keep it on two no, wheels. There's no way you could keep it up. Right? But the BMW yeah. with the ABS, yeah. you could bring it to a mm. abrupt stop, yeah. upright. Yeah. So it seemed absurd at the time. Absolutely. So this seems absurd, right. but this may be the future. You're right. That we haven't like um, got our heads around yet. And there will be a point, and you know, Elon Musk has said it, and other people have said it. There will be a point when we talk to ourselves and say, children or grandchildren. There was a time when we could actually drive these cars ourselves. Mm. <laughs> we could be in charge of a 4,000-pound killing machine on our own. And there was nothing to keep me from running over Granny on the curb. Isn't that part of iRobot? Yeah. 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 It is. Will Smith yeah. says to his Audi. Right. Yeah. I want to I want to whatever. And Audi's like, it's not safe Don't at this say speed. Will Smith. That's Isaac Asimov. No, but he's the actor yeah, that the, says the, it. The movie version. Yes. Yeah. No, no, I'm talking the book. Isaac Asimov it's the same was not one. talking it's the same to his one, but it's just... yeah. I assure you. 
Isaac Asimov. Will Smith was talking to his Audi. Isaac Asimov was not talking to his Audi. The uh, product placement was not. That wasn't in the book. The product placement game was. I'm just saying, but it's just a different experience. Like driving stick and driving automatics. They're still out there. Absolutely, you can still do it. It's just it's different. Think about the day when every telephone was connected to a wire or every. Television had an antenna. Or, you know, well, I, I remember the day when you had to order an automatic transmission car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you went to go buy a car. You're like, ah, I want that Ford Escort. I remember the first time one of my wealthy friends said, "Phil, I'm talking to you from the backyard." Yeah, and I went, yeah. "Oh, you're an asshole." Was it Joe? You did not. <laughs> You're you Or said, even when you went to the mall and they had like the little kiosk in the center of the mall and you'd like free calls and you'd like call somebody like, yeah. guess what? I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you from the mall. <laughs> well, the funny thing now is like if you, I'm want, a big spender. If you want manual shift, yeah. you have to order it. Well, that's our like, country. And and that's yeah, like, yeah. that's how that's fucking cool my sister is. Yeah. She refuses to drive an uh, automatic car. Oh, Mara wouldn't only, drive an automatic unless it said Figaro on the she back. Will only drive, <laughs> she will only drive manual shift. So Thank the la- God the Figaro doesn't come as a manual. The Subaru that she bought recently, yeah. she waited two weeks yeah. to have them ship her one that was manual shift. Yeah, she had to wait. Two whole weeks. Yeah. yeah. Wow. She's, she's like, I'm not. Wow. She's like, I don't yeah. want automatic. Yeah. Talk yeah. about delaying gratification. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But talk two about a weeks. badass yeah, girl. Two whole weeks for her car? Oh, oh humanity. First world. Can you think of a more badass girl? Like, I'm waiting two weeks for manual shift because fuck you for your automatic. Apparently, my wife is three times more badass than that because she waited six weeks for her Ford Focus to be a man. <laughs> yeah. She went to the dealership and the dealer was like, But wouldn't you really rather have the automatic? We have it here. And my wife was like, no, green. What was the silver? The first one was silver. Yeah. It was silver and, and it had to be... was crashed by the Amish. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> killed by the Amish. <laughs> the Amish Wait, killed my fourth one. Amish don't drive cars. No, but the Yoder Toter does. How the Amish get into this? Yeah. What? Ford Econoline. Fully Amish people. Yeah. I thought it was a rogue buggy. Just rogue buggy. <laughs> rogue buggy. <laughs> just waiting in the day. I, 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 I just to know. people to imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... Uh, that horse was committed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other thing that I noticed about the... <laughs> what are we the, uh, talking about, anyhow? We were talking about the Tokyo think. Motorcycle Show, and what I did notice, remember when we were at the, our motorcycle show, and we saw the Kawasaki KZ900? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we saw that, and then... So what it appears to be happening, what I've noticed, is the uh, the KZ900, the Honda CB1100, and the um, new SV650 are all definitely retro bikes. They're every every single one of them is absolutely looking like it. They were wishing it was 1983 so all over again. Three factors that make you say that. Well, the KZ 900, which is you know their 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 big leader class retro bike, looks every way they can possibly make it look like a 1975 KZ 900. So like bench seat. Bench seat, four and four exhaust, mm-hmm. inline oh, four cylinder, terrible. moderate mm-hmm. TT bars. Kind of upright position. Yep, upright riding. And they're position. kind right. of a small right. form factor, right? I mean, it's not yeah. like the wider yeah. kind of a. And they don't have shit tons no, of plastic right. bolted that's to the them. electric bike. We're talking about electric And that's bikes. we're talking about yeah. electrics. Yeah. You, right. Yeah. Channel one. So with they your don't eyes, look like cru- They don't look like yeah. cruisers. Like right. huge the forks. Yeah, that has yeah, a, the, the Honda head angle. Ever since the Honda had the first prototype of its electric robot motorcycle. 
it had a altering alterable geometry front fork, and this would change the ride height of the vehicle mm -hmm. based on the position of the front wheel. It would also change the you know slow speed, high speed of for course, like yeah. um, center of gravity, everything versus yeah. Yeah. on uh, you know yeah. high speed lane changes. Oh, it, there's so much technology wrapped up in that electric robot motorcycle. I'm shocked that it can fit in one spot. That you know that they've managed to scale it down to a, a you know, a, a bicycle configuration, a two-wheel configuration, mm -hmm. because you know I look at that and I'm like, wow, that's so much technology crammed mm -hmm. into a you know 400-pound motorcycle-shaped object. Um, it's it's kind of crazy, I and mean, that's that's kind of psychotic. But yeah, that's what that is. But all these retro bikes that you know, every year we learn something, and that is that <clears> some <throat> marketing department somewhere hits a retro par a product. I don't know where the high watermark was. I'm not sure when it happened, when we quit trying to build the next motorcycle and started building old motorcycles. Like, was it 86? Was it 88? I mean, clearly the 1989 GB500 is not a 1989 cutting-edge motorcycle. That motherfucker is like, look, it's 1959, right? right? Yeah. So clearly in 1989, so they had already like said... 30 years right. behind on everything. And my Nissan yeah. Pow 1992 is clearly a throwback to a retro thing. So 92, retro. Yeah. 89, retro. Was there an 85 retro? Was there an 80 retro? Or like in 80, <laughs> were they still building shit for what the future might look like, as opposed to what we know the past already looked like? You know, that's the question. You know. Well, but these electrics, they're not a throwback. We're not talking about electrics anymore. We're talking about so, the, the KZs and stuff. I'm saying that yeah. not everything. Oh, right. right. Only a few do right. innovate and do right. really new right. stuff. But it's No, just... each each one of the manufacturers, every manufacturer is trotting out an electric. Okay, so, so all, you're, I'm right. sorry, all you're saying is that there's always a an example of retro. Happening. Since eight, 1989, and I'm going to let the podcast remind me if there's an example of something prior to 1989... Since 1989, with the GB500, some manufacturer, you know, all manufacturers have been trotting out a retro ride, a retro bike. Now, at some point, we started saying the past is cooler than the present or maybe the future. And, you know, the, I always use the reference point of the PT Cruiser. At some point, <laughs> at some point the but PT Cruiser got manufactured. Yeah. 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 At that's some a good point, example. The, the PT Volks Cruiser. Volkswagen New Beetle. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And so the Volkswagen New Beetle, the Camaro, the Charger. The Prowler. Like, insert the name of oh, all those cars. Yeah. yeah. And my my feeling is yeah. people in the design and uh, of the business say, you know, that's a cool bike. Yeah. If it's a 63, let's redo it with today's modern stuff of 89. With the PT Cruiser, somebody may have seen that from the late 50s and said, you know what, we can make something like this. It's cool. How many units do we have to build up right. to make this profitable? Right. Because they, they certainly can't do it for 300 but maybe no. they can do it for 3000 As it turns out, they sold... A new, metric shit ton. Yeah, they, they really did. They yeah. really did. And how many of those units do you think they sold? That, that Honda... Um, not, not enough. Well, they were still but, in crates. Really? So, yeah. so they in were not able to sell them? In 1995... You could walk into a Honda dealership yeah. and buy not just one, but two GB500s in the crate in Cleveland, Ohio. Bogo? No. <laughs> buy one, no, get one? No, but they were about, they were, they were, 
They were affordably priced when you consider that here now in 2018, if you can buy a, a complete running GB500 for under ten grand, you consider you be quite the shrewd businessman. Because that's a beautiful bike. Yes, it is. But, but don't you think that it's the... It's fun to ride, too. That, yeah. There. That the different companies always try... Not always, but for the most part, they have their flagship, and then they have their retro, and then they have their, their concept future. What Right. Yeah. I mean, they're always trying to grab <clears throat> the attention of the... Because they have shiny to, though, right? stuff. Yeah, they kind of have to, because it... Because the, because the, the market is wide-ranging. Yeah. And yeah. the ages. Yeah, they, I, I don't think... <laughs> For well, but, but you know, <laughs> that's you know, real, that, dude. I'm not making that, that shit. Yeah, Are you that's, kidding? That's cool. Yamaha's building that. That's a cool bike. Hey, our listeners need to know. That's what uh, you're two showing. wheels in the front. Uh, oh, so man, yeah, get the fuck out. Right? Yeah, it's called the Niken or Niken N I K E N. So it's an MP3 with a, in a in a speed bike, it's a sport bike. Yeah, it's a sport it's bike. What those things they have in Europe that, that look just like that with two wheels oh. up front and one wheel in the back? I've seen a zillion of them in Spain and. Uh, France. Do you mean the scooters? Piaggio MP3 scooters? The, MP, the MP3. Right, yeah. Yeah. Piaggio MP3 scooters. So the technology is proven. Unfortunately, we have them here, too. Believe it or not. As most Piaggio mechanics will Right. And if you have $10,000 of disposable income and you want to have a scooter that has three wheels for yeah. no other fucking reason other than the fact yeah. that you can say you Stability? own a scooter that has three... They're not allowed to say that anymore. <laughs> they, yeah. Lawyers have gotten involved. You can't say there's more traction. You can't say there's increased stability. It falls over just like all the rest of the bikes do. Except especially when this one falls if, over, it's super heavy and hard to pick up. Yeah, especially if you forget to move the little knob in the center because it had a lot of friends that hit them yeah. and then boop, you just kind of tip over. Or if over. your battery dies or goes weak in the yep. middle of the night or the hydraulic system that does lock the suspension out in the middle of the night you know, has a little leak in it, then your bike falls over into your $20,000 car. That's what I was thinking about the self-driving, thing. the motorcycles, the new ones. Yeah. You're still consuming your battery while doing that instead of just, oh. guess what, just plop yeah. the little thingy of and course. just tip it over. Yeah. I mean, it's big party trick, the it's, fact that it can stabilize, you know, self-stabilize yeah. Yeah. at zero miles you're per hour. Using the battery. It's all just sitting there yeah. going. Just a gyro, just, you know. Right. It's going, don't fall left, don't fall right, don't fall left, don't fall right, don't fall left, don't fall right. It's like you're hunting for a signal. Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> if you leave that thing sitting in its, quote, Park mode, eventually that battery is going to battery. die, yeah. and, and gravity will win. Yeah, yeah. Yep. The default mode of gravity is two wheel vehicles are lying on their side. <laughs> you know that's just what it is. Um, yeah, this Yamaha Niken or N I K E N Niken. Um, this is a thing that everyone's talking about right now. I mean, this is a thing everybody's excited about. I've heard people say, "I really, really want it." And my logic is, I've seen demo rides of this thing going around a racetrack, and it does not go around a racetrack any faster than an R one. So an R1 mm-hmm. has two wheels. This has three. I would say the R1 would be faster just because of two wheels. Well, I think that it's less shit to drag around with. Yeah. You, and uh, from, you a, have from a maintenance mass. standpoint. Yeah, from a maintenance I mean, standpoint, you from, have less from shit to physics. Fix it. I mean, just yeah. has four, four fork legs on the front. Right. Yeah. Two yeah. and two. Yeah. Two, yeah. On two and two. Wheel. Yeah. Right. So you have now... So you have now... It's like an actual... Literally... <laughs> Four fork seals to worry about. The, the, you know? the only and yeah. the same the same concept with the Can Am and all those three wheel bikes. Mm-hmm. The, the oh, o- might the might Can-Am. take for those. Right. There's there's a market for that. Mm-hmm. If if you're disabled and yeah. you have a condition mm-hmm. that you cannot hold the weight of the bike, mm-hmm. right? That's an option. If you're a person that you can handle a regular bike and you're buying them, 
There's a, another word for that, but we're not going to mention it. But there what is a market. There is just are you right, right? But there is a market right. for yeah. even for that. Oscar, yeah. did you just paint? No, the it can hasn't changed much. Dirt bikes. <laughs> I'm just asking well, because I think it's that's, that's what I heard. That's Twitch is on, man. If you want a dirt bike, goodness gracious! I thought you know dirt bikes changed too because right now the bike, the dirt bike, nobody's. Like it's Loretta Lynn's off-road motor, motocross park, you know, for people who live <laughs> south of us. One? That's, man, that's a rough crowd. The record. Too many conversations. <laughs> Sorry. Cool guys, rock on. No, that's okay. We're still redoing podcasts. No, no that's okay. Mayor, Mayor tried it. Drew us in. Okay. Oh, thank um, you. Dustin was saying. Dustin was making a comment that what hasn't changed is dirt bikes. But you know, despite all this, you know. You know, skull fuckery or you know versions of yeah. nonsense going on. I mean, yes, they've gone to fuel injection and well. So there's a story right now in the news. One of the best places to ride a motorcycle or a dirt bike or to get your kids involved in dirt biking is Loretta Lynn's. And Loretta Lynn's uh, is not just a country star. She has a number of motocross, motorsports racing complexes. And she was born a coal miner's daughter. And she was born a coal miner's daughter. <laughs> and I know that. You know, if you don't if you don't travel south of Cincinnati much, you probably don't know about Loretta Lynn's uh, motocross parks and, and that kind of thing. But for a lot of people, it's a great opportunity to go use your quad or your dirt bike or whatever. And they have uh, done tons for kids racing and for juvenile motocrossing. And a lot of the kids that are champions today got started with Loretta Lynn. And, you know, they have 50cc, 80cc, they get all these classes. And somewhat recently, they outlawed electrics. Hmm. We're dying to know why. <laughs> Simple so reason. says what? Yeah, right, exactly. They, um, this place that's kind of a, like a love-all, serve-all mentality of come out here, we've got thousands and thousands of acres. You mean love y'all, serve y'all? Love y'all, serve y'all. <laughs> Bless your heart. Yeah. And the, uh, yeah, but yeah. She's, she, isn't she the, the new uh, uh, KFC guy? Loretta Lynn? No. That's oh, no, that's... Uh, so. Who is that? I don't know. Well, while you think of it. So I interrupted you. You were saying they have this y'all come yeah, and so, everyone's accepted and now they yeah. no electrics. All right. So, yeah. And, and this is always <laughs> Y'all been, come but no electrics. Well, that's exactly what just happened. So why no electrics? And that's a fucking that. good point. And this is the debate. So right now, sanctioning bodies, whatever you know, whether you're talking about AMA or whatever off-road racing association you're part of, sanctioning bodies are having this debate about what do we do about zeros and altas and other electric products that are coming out? Because if you've been paying attention, they first put these guys in the 125 class, um. and then they put them in the 250 class. And then they had to put them in the fucking unlimited class. Because it turns out mm-hmm. electrics do make a lot of torque in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And they have shifted the playing field. Yeah, they have their own class. I mean, it's... Shifted. Yeah. The same thing happened when they got away from... <laughs> <laughs> when, when they got away from... There wasn't much traction one. in the argument of keeping them out of the racing. So mm-hmm. they... Uh, <laughs> when they got away from two strokes, they didn't know what to do either. Exactly. The, the, uh, yeah. the two stroke. 250s used to run against the four-stroke 450s. That's right. That's exactly right. right. And no, then the four-stroke, then the Yamaha 426 came out and just fucking screwed everybody over 
because when that 426 came out, it would beat the two-stroke 500s. So everybody had to make this wake-up call. It'd be like, well, two-strokes used to be you could have a much smaller two-stroke racing against a much bigger four-stroke, and it would be mm. a level playing field. And then it turned into, well, four-stroke 250s now are every bit as capable as two-stroke 250s are. And they do deliver power differently. And if you watch two-stroke racing, if you watch motocross racing, in a two-stroke bike and a four-stroke bike that are the similar horsepower or the similar torque, they put their power down radically differently. And the bikes do accelerate at different parts of the track. And the two-stroke are always lighter, yes. you know, less reciprocating mass yep. and everything. And so we get electrics out there now. And so... <laughs> Way less reciprocating mass. Hell yes, less reciprocating mass. And instant. I mean, right here in our showroom with us, we've got a dirt bike that has 76 foot-pounds of torque that makes no fucking noise, right? That you can't hear it passing you. You know, you can't hear it f fucking your world up. And then the second you twist that throttle... It's 76 You get it all 76 foot-pounds of One RPM, right? right. right. And so Loretta Lynn's... You know, complex has somewhat. Now the headline is Loretta Lynn's not allowing electrics in her park. Now that's not the factual. Mm. You got to read the story. <laughs> you got to get into the story a little bit. People want to sell the papers or get the clicks or whatever yeah, yeah, it is yeah. these days. So they're going to say something very fucking bombastic. But what it really is is that they don't know how to classify them. Mm -hmm. So they're having trouble yeah. classifying them. So to keep it from turning into a just chase the money game, mm -hmm. because it is. They're just saying that they're going to preserve the, the <coughs> classes they have now, mm -hmm. and they're not going to let electrics get into them right now because they don't want it to turn it into. <clears throat> little Tommy would love to ride dirt bikes, but little Tommy's getting slaughtered every weekend on, you know, you know, Hunter and Jessica and whatever who are riding Friends. their Altus, right? And that's where I have to get back into the business idea that I had when the zeros came into the shop. Yeah. Of creating pipes yeah. that are basically speakers mm -hmm. that sound right. like whatever you want them to. Sure. Like, do you want your zero to sound like a two-stroke? Do you want it to sound like a four-stroke? Yeah. You know, yeah. dial in whatever. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think you this want is a 450cc <laughs> four-stroke. You just dial that up and you have the pipe on there. It's a speaker and you get on the bike and it's... Today, they have something else tomorrow. Well, even on the on the Isle of Men, they added a category. So they've got the zero class. So the zero class right now, the Isle of Man, is electrics and electrics only. And so that's you know they've shortened the race, they've abbreviated so the electrics are yeah because they can't because they can't stations around the circuit. They have a halfway point where they charge and drink a beer. Yeah, I still I still every time I watch the every time I watch the Isle of Man I still get like strange heartburn like. Like stress, anxiety, just watching the yes. fucking race. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's frightening. That's on the bucket um, list. But I have to I have to make Guy Martin is coming back, so yeah. that's a big news yeah. item. If that's you're, awesome. If you're an yeah. Isle Man guy. He's my like, favorite. This is going to be cool. Yeah. Um, it's going to be fun. So that's uh, that's pretty interesting. The uh, I do I do think that you know with this insane flood of technology that's coming out, yet. <clears throat> The push, and I know I've been talking to people, and people are very excited about these retro bikes. And the, that thing, that element of it, 
you look at everybody's company, like every company that's out there, the best-selling Ducati, which is the Scrambler, is not what anyone would call a futuristic motorcycle. In fact, it's historical. Triumph's best-selling bike is the Bonneville, and that's certainly not a futuristic cutting-edge bike. called retro-futuristic? What? Retro styling, but with futuristic... No, I'm going to call it retro. Just retro? Yeah, I mean, because a PT Cruiser's retro. Chevy HHR's retro. Yeah, but they're Camaro's fuel, retro. They're fuel-injected. They have ABS. They... It's best of both The worlds. body style's yeah. retro is, is what it is. Yeah, yeah retro... I'd say call it retro styling, but yeah. maybe with some... Current technology. Yes. Just, yeah. just on the power plant and everything. Retro style, yeah. But some of the stuff you're looking at, like the self-balancing motorcycle, that's... That's dead on futuristic. Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely, and everybody has got their toe. I mean, everybody's got their toe in the pool when it comes to futuristic, and that's great. Uh, they're not going to sell a <laughs> hundred of those next year. But when it comes to Triumph Bonnevilles and Ducati Scramblers and Moto Guzzi V7s, um, ironically, the strong lead or any fucking Harley Davidson, you know, show me the futuristic Harley Davidson. <laughs> there ain't one. Right, I mean, there's an entire company, 100 and some 150,000 motorcycles per year, that doesn't make a nickel on looking towards the future. Do you, you think know? there there will be a market for a kit, like for a bicycle, and having a two-stroke and making it in a moped? I mean, because we have friends that actually have done that too. You can buy it right now, man. You go on eBay. You can. I tell you, go to Ho Chi Minh Palace. You can get any number of two-stroke bolt-on devices to turn your Schwinn. Into a right, no, but noise the, maker. but the yeah. but the other level being yeah. you have a motorcycle to yeah. make it hybrid, make it an oh. electric. Oh, just, just kind of upgrade yeah. to the right. to the newest right. and that's trend. Still, and well, you know that's been happening in China for the past ten years. You mm-hmm. get money if you convert your two-stroke scooter over to electric. Ah, and they have a kit where you literally take your motor out of your scooter and you just replace it with an electric drivetrain. And that's, where your helmet used to go, now batteries go. And there's a huge tax incentive to doing that. If you that can show sense. that you've turned in yeah. your two-stroke powertrain, the kit is very inexpensive to do it. Oh, yeah. And so that's... It would have to be, or else and you're just mostly electric. Yeah, right. And that is the fact... Another thing is, um, Australia right now, because Australia's proximity to China, Australia is getting a lot of really kick-ass electric motorcycles Ooh. that we are not seeing. Mm. And if you do want to type... You know, do a Google search, <laughs> type in electric motorcycle China Australia. Because there's four or five different Chinese motorcycles that are being imported into Australia right now. And they are, you know, we're not going to say they're going to compete with Zero. Probably more than that. <laughs> well, there's four brands that are certified. Main ones, yeah. They're, they're their version of DOT approved. I mean, there might be 50 brands that exist in China. That's fine. But four of Main them ones. are being sold in Australia. And the price point on them is between $4,500 and $8,500. Now that's a pretty distinct. Yikes. Totally doable. Oh yeah. well, Hell what yeah. would I mean? What would we be saying around here? If zeros for forty five hundred dollars. We'd yeah. be saying I would like fifty more of them, please. Yeah. Right. Right now, what's keeping people away from zeros is the eighty five hundred dollar plus price tag. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to spend eighty five hundred dollars on a zero, you're getting in at the fucking <clears throat> bare bottom yeah. of the pile, and not being sure that that's the platform that's gonna exactly right. exist. Right. Yeah. And so that's the risk of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people are willing to take a chance on a Chinese-made product when it's $4,500, apparently. You know? I wouldn't, me personally, but my money comes a little harder than some other people's money comes. So that's, you know, it's just it's what we have to work with. Yeah. I don't see 
I would am I am a tad bit concerned that everybody's best selling motorcycle is a retro. That doesn't speak well. I mean, that doesn't sing a song of our sport moving forward or our, our endeavor, our hobby moving forward as a whole. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean yeah. at, at, look, yeah. wait, at yeah. the end of the day, they're selling motorcycles. But they're not. Mm-mm. And that's no. the problem. Because well, this year's Triumph Bonneville is exactly the same as the eight-year-ago Triumph Bonneville. It is. So what happened to the guy and eight this year's years Sportster ago? this year's is basically the same as the eight-year-ago So what happened to the guy eight years ago? He didn't buy it. it. Well, as we've argued before, we've said that Harley-Davidson has been selling to the same buyer since 1986. He's just oh, 70 years old since. now. <laughs> or, or, or he's cycling up to become 70 years old. Right. Yeah. Since right. Uh, I, so, I would say since 1932. Right. I wouldn't give a rat's ass right. who I'm selling to or, or, or what I'm selling. I'm, I want to sell bikes. Right. But, yeah. but I think they're trying to appeal to the generation. Right. The problem is that they're not the main no. Consumers, no. they're trying to get that extra little kick of yeah. sales, but it's not. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, look, I have like inside info on this. I worked in advertising for ten years, and what they look at is just what the person is looking mm-hmm. to buy. You know, they, they don't care like what the technology is. They don't care how awesome it is, right. you know. There's clearly a demand for retro. Yeah, they're they're looking at the consumer. There must be, and they're going like, "What are they?" There must be. You know, what what are they going for? Oh, oh yeah, they want a cafe racer, so everything goes cafe mm-hmm. racer, you know. But it's true. I mean, that's what they want. Yeah, it's, but they, that's not what they're willing or want to actually spend any money. They don't have disposable income to yeah, actually well, they, do that. They all have marketing departments that. Look at what yeah. the consumer wants to yeah. buy, and they're like, "That's what we're going to build." So, when you say they don't have this disposable income, you're saying the buyer doesn't have the disposable the, the, income. The, that buyer, that generation, doesn't want to invest, invest, quote unquote, right. into fun stuff. Our, our expression that we use at the shop now is, fun. "Look wait, at these." Wait, whoa, whoa, wait, wait! Oh. I'm, I'm not letting them get away with Go that. Go ahead. A generation doesn't want to invest in fun stuff. And I'll, I'll, I'll expand. No, I'm going to help you get back to that. Because keep what right, he said. Go ahead. Go hang go on ahead. and just hang on to the word invest. Go ahead. Because I had a guy who knows a lot about the industry the other day use this great term. He goes, look at these fucking millennials running around here like they rent the place. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. If you ask a millennial, his phone cost him 80 bucks a month. His Netflix costs him 12 bucks a month. His Hulu costs him 8 bucks a month. Everything these guys do, and I work in a shop now where I just spent four hours with a guy who's extremely successful at selling bikes to 25-year-old people. And his whole thing is he does not talk about it being a $10,000 bike. He talks about it being a $140 a month month bike. bike. And that's their entire picture is their whole world is monthly. They don't buy anything. That's a good plan. their, Their concept is... Why do I need to own a $30,000 car when $30,000 will buy me 10 years of Ubering? Yeah. Why well, case, do, case in point, did your parents right. ever lease a car? Exactly. No. no. Nope. No. Of but now not. leasing, Never. you, you right. pick up the 
Right. Any sort of an advertisement. No, leasing for a was car a sin when I was in my household. <clears throat> if you leased a car, you it's were an still a sin. idiot or somebody else paid for now, it. Leasing I didn't is a, leased a car. But he was a, <laughs> he's like a company he's a sinner. Car. Right, right. But it's a fancy word for renting a car. You're renting a, a car. It's, 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 a, it's a monthly fee that'll never go away. What I love about leasing is buying lease terms. Because okay. that's I've never bought a brand new car. I always buy a yeah, lease that's term. That's fine. A three-year-old car with less than thirty thousand miles on it that somebody else took the hit yeah. on. Of course, depreciation. The yeah, exactly. Depreciation, and that's why it. new motorcycles aren't selling. Yeah, because and the world knows that there's plenty of three-year-old motorcycles yeah. sitting out there that have already suffered a thirty percent depreciation. Yeah, that's it, and that's why every manufacturer is having trouble selling. The reason they're having problems selling is they don't have something new enough to entice people to come in. And that's where all the companies that are trotting out the same shit that they've had for the past six years are all crying. Every one of those companies is crying, we don't have any new buyers. Well, you don't have any awesome new shit. You know, your, your shit this year looks like your old shit. And unless you're going to bring out something that I fucking have to have... I'm not going to throw down the hard currency. I'm going to wait for I'm going to wait for three years. I'm going to wait and let the depreciation hit it. Yeah, I mean, so should the motorcycle industry go into leasing? Well, a lot of people have tried. Well, because that's turned around now. A lot of people the auto industry they dumped a shitload of inventory. No, we'll we'll lease it out for three years. Now I'm going to ruin it for you. No, you won't. I will. Well, we'll see. The problem with leasing a motorcycle is residual value. Uh-huh. That motorcycles tend to drop so much value within the first three years yeah. that if you did a three-year lease on the property and you paid $150 a month for the three years that you had it. Right. So you had a $150 a month lease payment and you turn the vehicle in at the end of your three years. Okay? Do the math. It comes out to about $5,200. Yeah, you're not going to cover okay? the cost. On a $20,000 yeah. motorcycle. Yeah, you're not going to cover it. Now, the problem <clears> is that's, that means there's only $15,000 left on that motorcycle. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's not enough because that motorcycle not usually in the market what, wait a minute, that's not sells for twelve five. That's not enough for the dealerships to make money. To cover the cost. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares about the dealership? The fucking dealership <laughs> who sells you the money. The guy who sells you the this money. This guy. No, every dealer in America covers about it. So right. when every when believe me, you're not the first person to suggest leasing. I was sitting in dealer I meetings think I eight am. years ago. <laughs> no. I was sitting in dealer meetings eight years ago when companies like GE brought out and TransUnion like brought out these leasing formats and they said, you know, for the first time ever we're going to offer leasing on the new Vespa scooters because they're fuel injection. We believe we're going to they're going to hang around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we looked at it and we went, "Okay, if the customer pays 120 bucks a month for the lease on the Vespa and he turns the Vespa in after 36 months, the residual value of the Vespa is not enough because the depreciation is so great. The depreciation is too high." And we said, well, you know, why only Vespa? And the guy, the guy from the company said, well, because they tend to hold their value better than any other scooter. <laughs> and they were like, so that's the only one. And then we looked at the numbers and we went, it's still not high enough. Right. Yeah. Well, you got to think that yeah. at one time, the 1950s, 60s, 70s, yeah. there was a guy suggesting that with the car industry. That's right. Right. Yeah. And at one point, there was a breakover yep. where it did become profitable. Absolutely. It did become feasible yep. financially. Yep. So well, What happened with leasing? You know when leasing became popular? The first time an average car went over $10,000. Okay. The mm. first time an average car went over ten grand, Because that number, the general public at that time was like, 
Jesus Christ, that fucking thing's $10,000? Yeah, but you can lease it. I think it's a huge yeah. shift. It's th- These are big cultural economic shifts, though, kind mm-hmm. of like you were saying, how millennials don't think about buying, they think mm-hmm. about monthly. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so many factors also that were going on in our country at that mm-hmm. time, too. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's such a micro-macro. It's a huge thing, and, it, you know... Things like what going on? I don't have time for a history lesson. My well, but somebody, somebody, works at, somebody works at my shop you that just told got me... You burned by Dr. Walker. Well, I'm just asking a question the whole time. I didn't have anything. I mean, everything from women economy. needing to go to work. Right. I mean, just everything changing right. at right. that time. Right. I mean, the economy. The household had had... I just had one of, our, one of our people that works at our shop tell me how much money he was saving since he canceled his cable. So he cut the cord. Yeah. He cut the cord. I did that five years ago. And so? Hold on. Dustin, do you still pay for cable? Nope. How does your internet get into your house? I pay for internet. Well, there you How go. How does it get into your house? <laughs> do you um, open the door and it scurries in? It, it, it comes in by cable, but I don't pay for cable TV. Okay. I don't care, but I'm saying it's you cut sad. the cord, but you still have the internet coming into your house right. somewhere. So mm-hmm. you have an internet service provider you're paying. Yes, I do. Okay. And how much money a month do you pay him? Roughly, make up a number. Somewhere between twenty and two hundred dollars. Two hundred bucks. Yeah, sixty bucks. Sixty bucks. So, all right. So you pay sixty bucks. Now, on top of that, people have subscription services: Netflix, YouTube, etc. Yep. And so those add up. Mm -hmm. What do you think you pay for in subscription services? I pay eight bucks for uh, Netflix. I pay eight bucks for Hulu. Right. And then I steal uh, services off my mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, your mom's paying. Right. So your mom's paying. And well, she pays right. her cable, so right. I take so it. So go, go, and, do you, and do you use any on-demand content? No. You don't buy any movies or oh, TV occasionally shows or I buy movies. songs? Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Occasionally I buy movies. Right. I, I see where you're going here, though. <laughs> yeah. so you're, you're back up to 80 bucks, 100 right. bucks a Instantly. month. Yeah. And, that's yeah. if you're, and that's if you're Dustin, hyper-frugal consumer. Right. If you're hyper frugal conservative who's stealing from his mom so he can have HBO Go, right? Or Showtime or whatever, right? Well, and, I, and, and also, yeah. we, we share our services right. between uh, myself and like my sister in law. Oh, all yeah. And when I was sure. stealing my neighbor's cable, my bill was nothing. I mean, I went up there and ran that R6 cable down, and I've, I'm in like Flynn, man. Right? Oh, I, I could have my friend Greg come over. And, but the and just, point being. Yeah, what's the point? The then? point being. I was talking to a young person, and the young person was. It telling went down me, from one hundred twenty dollars to like. We got it. We got eighty it. bucks. There go you on. go. And you're go still ahead. spending eighty dollars a month for the rest of your fucking life. Yeah, you but don't I'm saving forty. It. And you're paying eighty. Exactly. It's a shift. It's a and shift my in. wow, my basic package with Wow Cable, when we had the basic package with Wow Cable, was sixty eight dollars for internet and cable <laughs> with like hundred and sixty eight channels. So the point is, mm, the difference is, did I still have it? Yeah. Could I still watch YouTube videos? Of course I could. Did I save any money by cutting the cord? Technically, no, because Hulu showed up and it had a monthly. I didn't have Hulu when I was on the cable. You know, uh, Netflix showed up and they, their price went up. So these things all happen. And the millennials do have many subscription services. They have a Spotify, Spotify account. Yeah. They have all kinds of, you know, there's... Well, Spotify's free. 
if you like the sucky Mark. Spotify. Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to this. Too. Pandora's free too. If you like listening to <laughs> shitty ads, right? Yeah. I, I Let's just say we're all in the fifty-year-old right. range. Yeah. So, thirty years ago, when we mm-hmm. were twenty. Yeah. We didn't pay for jack shit. No, we, we didn't, didn't pay for jack shit. We didn't, we didn't have recurring It was called bunny ears. Cell phone bills. We didn't have cable <laughs> right. bills. Right. So it's become the accepted norm right. that you're going to pay right. $200 a month for entertainment. $100 to $200 yeah. a month to have a cell phone. The shit that goes into your eye holes and ear holes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So entertainment, mm-hmm. your monthly outlay for entertainment. Yeah. If you're that age and you're most of them are on a certain kind of budget, yeah. it's being sucked up yeah. by right. things like this and not things like entertainment. I've in had terms six of credit digital. apps that got denied this this week. Six credit apps that got slam dunked this week could not process them for a six or seven thousand dollar motorcycle because a twenty or a twenty two to thirty four year old person's <laughs> debt to income ratio was all fucked up, and they made good money, but they had a car payment. They, in fact, the one guy had two car payments. I thought that was awesome. So he had two car payments. And he's like, well, yeah, I can buy this bike because I just bought a $50,000 Ford F-150. Like the black uh, fetish package. And he, he literally was across the street at the Ford dealership and came in and told us how he was going to buy that motorcycle. Because clearly he just got approved. For a fifty thousand dollar Ford F one fifty, four by four. Here first. That's what yeah. I said. I was like, <laughs> you fucked that all up. If you'd have come here first, you could have got the bike Both. and still got approved yeah. for that. Yeah. But you shot your nut on that. <laughs> they took the last bit of credit you had to buy that fifty thousand dollar four by four, and that's kind of the thing. The guy had a good income. His income was really nice, but his income was great. I'm, I filled out his credit app. The point being, his debt to income ratio. And by the way, it wasn't a secret. Turns out the credit companies know about it. What? I know. All those things he's paying for monthly, all that like eight bucks, 20, 30 bucks a month shit that he's doing, already, turns out the credit companies know about they that. They already got the words. They already got the heads wow. up. So, I can't wait till my wife tries to refinance our house and she owes fucking $16,000 on her stupid Nissan Rogue. Well, that's, that's going to be it. Ain't and that's fucking happen. Just, be, just hope think, your name's off of it. I think I'm going to end up with my house. You might end up with a Nissan Rogue if you're not careful. Yeah. It's not my name. It's not her name. Funny thing is, my car is uh, also half in her name. In some divorces, you end up with all the shit and all the bills that go with it. Oh, God. Spoken from personal. I wish I could have yeah. kept the dog. I'll take, I'll take the house. In retrospect, so sparky. Yeah. In retrospect, I nearly lost my. I nearly lost money on the house. But the. Uh, but yeah. So that's the game. Um, I think that when we are talking about like the motorcycle shows, really excited to get you know, it's fired up to see the cool shit. But I, I, I kind of want there to be cool shit because right now what I'm getting is I'm getting a robot, literally a robot, robot. and I'm getting retro motorcycles. Well, the robot does me no fucking good because, honestly, I'm not going to be able to ride that thing for, like, 20 years. So the robot does me no good. And the retro motorcycles, once again, exhibit a GB500 in the front window. Mm. It's as retro as retro fucking gets, and it's in the front window. I'm not riding it. Okay? But it, but it's good that right. they're investing in new technology. Yeah. R&D is expensive, but it yeah. trickles yeah. down eventually because the, the concept cars from five or ten years – you start seeing on the high-end cars first, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. after yeah. five or ten years, on the just basic models, you yeah. start seeing the 
the headlight that turns and yeah. the corners and stuff that you oh, saw yeah. like tw- yeah. five, t- 20 years ago in the, right. in the high end ones. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's, a, it just bl- takes time. Yeah, yeah, Bluetooth in a in a in a yeah. Chevy Cruze. Right, everything like it's just there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at it just takes time. thirty years ago, and the cars are a good analogy because yeah. cruise control, uh, right, intermittent wipers. Right. Uh, there's heated seats. I mean, that stuff was yeah. like spaceship kind of shit. Oh, yeah. that's and now cool. it's like yeah. standards. Like if you, you are you, you kidding you, me? My shitty ass 2000 Buick tells me when the tires are low. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, 18 years yeah. ago, and it was already telling me when the tires were low. You know, I've got a you know, I've got a a Mitsubishi yeah. Pajero that has proximity sensors, and it's got historical plates. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> dude, it has proximity sensors. And historical plates. If I'm backing in parallel parking, I get too close to the car behind me. Beep, 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 really? Beep, beep, beep. Historical plates. So we've had some cool technology, yeah. but just takes I had heated seats on the 2000 Buick, you know? <laughs> Which are nice. Which are yeah. nice. <laughs> I mean, I got a heads up display in the 2000 Buick. What was your dad's? Which is confusing. <laughs> <laughs> What's your, what year was your dad's Chrysler that talked to him? 84. 84. Oh, yeah. Yes. I remember and that one. And it was leased. <laughs> my, my sister had one of those. Talk yeah. about no residual value. Yeah, that was weird. A three-year-old <laughs> Chrysler New Yorker from the 80s. Yeah. Ooh. That's like, that's like herpes. You can't get rid of that shit. Well, it was hot stuff. That was hot yeah. stuff. Yeah, that was, that was great. And it's velour interior. No, no. We had the oh, leather. You had leather baby. in that? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Grandma's K car had the velour. We, we had the balloon interior. Yeah. But, yeah, that technology yeah. is... You know, it is filtering its way through. We're going to have more, you know, collision avoidance shit is going to be around. We're going to have it. It's going to be, you're about to have a crash. You're about to have a crash. You're about to have a crash. Oh, shit. And you're looking around trying to figure out where the crash is coming from. Well, it's going gonna, gonna to leapfrog that. Just go to these autonomous driving vehicles. Well, and, you know, I've ridden in an autonomous driving vehicle. I had, you know, the pleasure of getting one picked me up from the San Jose airport and took me to Santa Cruz for zero training. What you know, you I think? had the most high-tech adventure of the week. I showed up to zero training and was taken to zero training in an autonomous car. And so, what'd you think? It was it was cool. Yeah, but I, I would be frightened. No, I mean there was an operator <laughs> there who was telling you about the experience of driving the. Wait, so there's a driver not driving the car? <laughs> yeah, there's an attendant. <laughs> That's the it's called a yeah, not driver. What's the point to, of that? Unless you're in Arizona, you have to have one. But in Arizona, you don't have to have one, and that's why the woman was just killed. No, because she was killed because she walked in front of the fucking right. car. Right. right, she walked in front of it. She walked in front of a self-driving car. People get killed by and it didn't. I'm the driver of this self-driving car. No, he's so. the safety. He's the safety. Sure, he's not the that's cor- ridiculous. The why not just have a driver? Well, we have drivers and trains, and those fuckers still come off the rails too. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, humans are you know, not and there there are things that. The experience that I had was getting out of the San Jose airport is daunting. It's daunting if you're a human being and you know and you have your shit together and you have Waze and Google Maps fighting each other, right? It's still a challenge getting out of San Jose airport. And I will say that the the, the autonomous car did a really good job. I mean, it, it ducked cool. in and out of the traffic. There was quite a bit of traffic. There was quite a bit of construction. And that's tough because most of them are LiDAR-based. So it's got a laser, it's looking forward, it's reflecting off of objects, but it's also optically scanning the road for the lines. And a lot of the places we were in... Do you know the way to San Jose? LiDAR love? 
Do you know the way to San Jose? Yeah. Turn left at the Pacific. The, uh, but that's that in the construction area. There were a couple of times where it did these little brake checks, where it was like brake check, look, brake check, look, brake check, look. And at that point, it did alert the driver to take over. Mm-hmm. It alerted the driver because the construction and the construction was, dude. It's one thing to be construction. It's another thing to be San Jose construction. Like total, total because <laughs> everything within 200 miles of San Francisco is extremely weird. Like between San Francisco and LA is mm-hmm. tough. Yeah. And tough for an autonomous car especially. It's not Arizona where you're out in the middle of nowhere and they test those things. This was a vehicle being tested in a very challenging environment. The construction did play hell with it. Because the road lines weren't where they were supposed to be. There were barrels and shit and jersey walls and all kinds of stuff like that. So the car had trouble with it. But then once we got out of the construction, that thing was smooth sailing. What, what I've heard from I mean, or, or read from some manufacturers is that the technology is there. Mm-hmm. But the reaction, what Dustin right yeah. now had, the right. visceral reaction of, that's too scary. I'm, I'm not going to handle yeah. it. Yeah. It's... That kind of deters the manufacturers to actually keep on pushing the envelope yeah. faster because the the market is not ready for it. I think you're right, and I and definitely yeah. oh the money factor is insane. Yeah. The uh, when you think about how dangerous you know, the concept, just the concept right. of moving an 18 wheeler around is frightening, you know. And as we change, there's some shit going on right now in England where they're not going to be letting diesels. You know, they've admitted there's a problem with diesels. They've admitted diesels kill people. <laughs> the breathing of the diesels yeah. kills people. And that's going to have a result that they're going to end up not having diesels in parts, major parts of major metropolitan areas. We were just in Florence, and in Florence, there's huge parts of the city where the only vehicles that are allowed in those parts of the city are electric vehicles. Due to the, con- the congestion of people and also due to the historic edifices you know they don't want diesels in there anymore so we got on what an electric bus the only way to get from point a to point b aside from your little feats is to get on an electric bus and little feet little flights and we got an electric buses and electric buses kicked ass Mm -hmm. and they're smaller than normal buses because the streets are so narrow and impossible to get through you Which know. is why the one passed us up and infuriated you, because it was too full. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, we're sitting at a bus stop, and we're at the bus stop, and I'm like, I've done my homework. We're at the right bus stop. We're in the right location. I see the 26C bus coming at me, and, like, this is our bus. And we're all like, okay, cool, we've walked on. Because you couldn't wait to go see David. I couldn't wait to go see Michelangelo's <laughs> David. Come on. We had to get there, God damn it. <laughs> and, uh, sure, the uh, the bus shows up, and I'm like, and the fucker just blew us off. And he did blow us off because it's a little electric bus and it was full. There was no we room. We realized when the next one came because right. it was packed too, but it yeah. stopped. Right. And it stopped. Yeah, and, it, and that's just, you know, that already in those areas, electric vehicles are completely the norm. And the experience for us, we were in this bus that was like the size of an airport shuttle bus, essentially. So it wasn't a full scale size bus, it was a third scale. But they somehow managed to, sc- to cram 40 of us in there. Oh, yeah. And it was like fucking sardines in there. But did that bus have any lack of power? Hell no. It, it got up and went. Mm-hmm. It had fantastic power. It's and it efficient. stopped and turned. And it was super efficient. They had a driver. What's on it? No, it was fully driven. Right? It was fully driven. And it was Electric. quiet. Yeah. And it was safe. 
And did they stop and change batteries? No, I, whatever was in that thing had, I the weight of that vehicle had to be astronomical with all of us in it, mm-hmm. and yet it handled perfectly like any normal bus would. In fact, I'd say it's way better in every way because there's no smoke, there's no noise, there's no pollution, and we were able to traipse around this you know thousands year old city and enjoy ourselves without. Big old diesel smoking through there. There's yeah. there's a big benefit. I mean, even for a city like Mexico City, yeah. that you have license plates that you cannot drive mm. your car two days out of the week. Is that really? Does that is that on That's, now? It's been on for at least close to ten years. Really? Probably even more than that. And and that helped control. So is the, that the, and now is that for everybody's license plate Everybody. or is it optional? Everybody. Holy you cannot, shit! That, but. The counterpart for that is yeah. most people, guess what? They have two or they three cars. Two cars. And then you can cover the rest of the week. Yeah. So, it, so, so in, in order to drive seven days a week, you need to have two cars. Yes. Maybe three. Yeah. Holy shit. So is that bikes too or just cars? Uh, I think it's just cars. I think two-wheelers are exempt, aren't they? I, I, probably. Yeah. But that's something. But yeah, they've I had mean, that for a that long time. That restricted use is insane. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's how they're going to deal with it. Yeah. Well, that's it. I, you know, we've talked about all kinds of different topics. If you guys have anything you want to su- suggest or recommend, just reach out to us, clevelandmoto at gmail.com. We're real easy to find. The, uh, the <laughs> raffle is still going. We've had more people buy tickets. Awesome. Uh, remember, all you got to do is reach out on your PayPal. Go to paypal.com and click on there. Send 20 bucks to... Clevelandmoto at gmail.com. <laughs> That's about as hard as it gets. It's you know? that freaking easy. It's just that freaking easy. If you wanted to send us a mail, you could present to clevelandmoto at gmail.com. If you wanted to send us some money for the raffle tickets, clevelandmoto at gmail.com. If you want to find us on Facebook, we're at www.facebook.com forward slash clevelandmoto. Actually, that one's Clevelandmoto Podcast. But if you go to the regular <laughs> Cleveland Moto one, there's a link to get you to the podcast anyway. So that's fine. But yeah, that's cool. Uh, uh, next week, when we do the podcast, I'm going to be reading a bunch of emails I've been collecting. So I've got a stack of emails from people. Um, no, there's like 15 awesome self-aggrandizing emails that are, you know, they're, they're cool. We're going to make us feel really good. And then there's five of them that are extraordinarily well-written and insightful and which makes me wonder Critiques. if they're really our listeners they might be from some other they might be a shill but they're uh, <laughs> but they uh but no they're really i mean they're they're really interesting criticisms of our podcast those are more and, fun oh no these are going to be a lot of fun they're going to have a great time with these yeah yeah because it because it makes you really appreciate the value of what we offer Right. When people <laughs> criticize the, the value of what we offer, yeah, as in right. we don't get any I know. fucking yeah, that, money that's for the, this. Yeah. I've noticed from listening to some of my friends' podcasts that that sponsorship thing they had, mm. they don't have it anymore. It's weird. You know, a couple of weeks ago, they were sponsored by this or, you know, a Chrome, you know, add on company. Right. And they were well, a lot of people do the like, listen to Audible. Well, Audible.com. Audible.com does get a lot of press, but the uh, I've noticed that even some of the motorcycle podcasts I've listened to that, you know, for five or six weeks in a row, they and our sponsor is so-and-so. So they've dropped all this. Where's that? Where did, we should get to that. Audible. 
Oh, fuck out of them. Well, first well, of all, audible, they're going to listen to our thing and they're right. going to be like, yeah. you, you are not audible. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Can yeah. we discuss like an imaginary sponsor? Like if we imagined we were sponsored by <laughs> someone? I've, I've heard a couple of podcasts Can we say actually sponsored do by make up their own sponsor. Just a random, just whatever. Like, we met Pilsner yeah, or Quell. Yeah. Sponsored by Pilsner or Quell. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's always what you're saying. Like, we, well, who would Dude, we? Actually, if we, if we got sponsored by booze companies... That, could, that well, is hold possible. On. I mean, we've been shouting out Porco's name for oh, yeah. three years. Well, I don't think we've. I don't think we've heard. Can't expect him. I'm we, talking about. We like, haven't heard the bottom line at Porco at all. He's got a point. Like saying, if we were to try and court Pearson or uh, Pilsner, well, or if you Quell, keep saying Pilsner or Quell, in if, if I keep, say it four if, times, do they owe me owe me money? Let's no. see how that works out for you. <laughs> yeah, but I think that whoever's sitting there, Pilsner or Quell, is just sitting there going. Ting, ching, ting. They're they're going, ting. these free. people don't know how to say the name free. of our beer. <laughs> 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 it's check. Right. They're saying it in check. Right. Oh, you mean... You well, mean, we could get sponsored by, like, Fritos or, like, anything that's, like, very, like, loud, but, like, we could probably get sponsored by, like, Taco Bell. Stay Puff Marshmallows. <laughs> Ooh, there you go. <laughs> We get oh sponsored by Taco Bell. Though, I've listened to our podcast. We should be sponsored by fucking Tylenol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what we should be sponsored by. Actually, we should be sponsored by somebody who makes really good mental health projects products because there's <laughs> oh, yeah. Prozac. We should be sponsored Prozac. by Zquil. All right, guys, that's it. That's all I got. I'm going to remind everyone to please ride fast and take chances. Ba 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 ba.